Happy Monday, and welcome to the 16th episode of the Sneak Preview, where we follow the current film release calendar. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Austin Johnson. And we're doing something a little different today. Instead of focusing on a film, we're going to be diving into the Academy Awards of the 2000s, particularly the categories of Best Actor and Best Actress. We selected our own lists of performances that we think should have been nominated, and we're going to take it year by year and state our case for the actors and actresses we've selected. Also, since we both got to see it, we're going to talk a little bit about Ben Wheatley's new horror film, In the Earth. Uh, but first, we got to see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. First up, trailer time. Love talking trailers. Uh, new trailer for Fast and Furious 9 came out, or F9 as they're currently calling it. Current release date is June 25th. And this looks so ridiculous, even by Fast and Furious standards. And that is saying something at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely saying something. I am not really <clears throat> a fan of the franchise. I've only seen maybe half of them. Uh, so these, these trailers, I see them all over the place because you can't miss them. But I just, I, there's, no, there's no really part of me that gets excited <laughs> it's redundant I, to me at this point it's insane but for some reason these are billion dollar this is a billion dollar franchise now yeah multi-billion dollar franchise for sure i can't explain it uh I don't, there was one line in the tree i don't know if i've talked about this on one of our shows i know i've talked about this to somebody but i don't remember who it was because my whole life and the podcast just bleeds together at this point yeah and um, but i'm gonna say it here anyway there's a line in the trailer where John Cena says, my whole life I've lived in your shadow. And I'm thinking, Dom is an L.A. amateur street racer. What shadow? <laughs> are you kidding? If you are like a um, like CIA trained assassin stunt driver killer. And you're if you, that's your problem. Like if you're living in your street racer brother's shadow, that's sad so yeah ridiculous <clears throat> if that's what you're yeah if that's like you said if that's what's kind of stumped you raise the yeah. bar of your life yeah. Good God. yeah yeah aspire pretty, to pretty... more than wife beaters and corona good god <laughs> i just oh, i'm man. gonna see it and it's gonna be fun to do it on this show but it is like my expectations could not be lower <laughs> yeah i yeah i don't know when i'll you know, these, these, again, I've only seen like half of them. So it's just not a, yeah. not a thing I have too much knowledge on it, uh, but you don't really need to, right? They're no, they're just, they just kind of come and go. I haven't seen too fast, too furious or Tokyo drift. I, yeah, I just, I, I watched the first one for some reason <laughs> and four I watched cause I wanted to have some context for five. I like five, five, six, seven, eight and Hobbs and Shaw I've, are actually pretty damn good movies. <laughs> I've heard five is like, is legit. Uh, I've seen it, but I don't know. I don't, I didn't have any context. I've seen the first three. Oh. And I have not seen four, seen five, and then I haven't seen the rest. So yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm at exactly 50%. <laughs> I, I, I didn't give a shit about the franchise. I was bored one day. My mom and I decided to go see fast five and we were like, Oh, the rock. Okay. Oh, this is neat. Who's who's Letty? What is this? <laughs> what he's a he was a cop. 
I had not seen the other movies, so I was like, what is going on? I don't know, but The Rock is covered in baby oil and saying, like, might be from, might be Southern. He says some bitch a lot, but there's no accent. Like, what's going on with this? I, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I couldn't <laughs> tell you. The writing is insane. I, one of my favorite things is about, you know, that franchise, like, to kind of, like, poke at is the... And this happens with a lot of like just kind of over the top action movies, but these, like you said, are multi billion dollar movies. Uh, there will just be a moment in each film where they all have to meet in a place that's very far, and there's just no explaining how they got there. They're just there. We're all just in this city, and we're yeah, we're now we're just discussing the plan, you know. And it's it's just yeah. it's exactly so what you're talking about. it's so ridiculous. It's like. You just yeah, you're just kind of spoon feeding the audience at that point. I, I for one don't really like that. I can pinpoint the exact moment that the Fast and Furious franchise jumped the shark because it was so overtly ridiculous, even by that franchise's standards at that point. It's at the end of Furious Seven, where at the beginning of that movie, The Rock and Statham have a big old fight, and somehow Statham wins that fight, and <laughs> The Rock ends up like it gets a little beat up. He's, his arm's broken. It's in a cast. Yeah, he spends most of that movie off screen, and at the end of the movie, they call him like, "Hey Hobbs, we need you." And he's like, "Rock and roll." Stands up, flexes the fucking cast off. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, haven't seen it, but I've heard about that. Yeah, and then just goes to town. Yeah, doesn't he say something like, "Daddy's, daddy's got to take care of business" or some shit like that? Yeah, I think that's yeah, the I've, exact phrase. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard about that one. Yeah, my. I, you know, of course, like you said, again, like we both said that these movies are huge and massive. So I know a lot of people who are really into them and yeah, just, yeah. that, that stuff's just nearly my cup of tea. I talk a lot of shit, but I've seen five through eight at the movies. So I'm seeing nine at the movies too. I, yeah, I'm well aware of my, my hypocrisy here. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's. Hollywood's bitches. That's what we are. Yeah, so you know, exactly. You pick, you pick and choose what you're a bitch for, right? <laughs> it's the, it's the game we play. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, moving on, we also got a new trailer for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which is set for next uh, Netflix release on May 21st, and I am actually pretty excited about this. this Hell looks yeah, really neat. Yeah, definitely, definitely looks cool. I just watched this today because you you had kind of mentioned we'll give this a shout. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really, really jazzed about this. And now I'm, I'm vaccinated. Uh, glad I could say that. And I'm going back to the theater now. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to see that one on the big screen. Well, this is Netflix. I don't know if it's getting a big screen. Oh, this one, this one is, oh yeah. man. Well, that's okay. I mean, watching it at home, watching it at home is something I've gotten quite used to. Let's go find a big TV at someone's house and you've got a big screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, now that, it's you know there was like a year there where i didn't go to the theater at all and finally went back and just yeah kind of kind of you know want to see everything on the big screen oh yeah i'm, I'm right there man <laughs> i thought it was neat you know using kenny rogers the gambler and kind of a i like when they use old songs in a new context uh, trailers are an art form to me and it always of course. makes me excited and this you know i don't really know why people would need to steal millions of dollars during a zombie apocalypse. I mean, I assume the economy is dead when that happens. So like, I don't know what the money's for. 
I'm, I guess they'll, maybe we'll they'll explain that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's got an R rating, action, crime, horror. Yeah, I'm kind of in either way, you know. <laughs> Ocean's Eleven meets Dawn of the Dead. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There's that Netflix right at the bottom of the poster. Look at my dumbass. uh the trailer sorry the trailer for the hitman's wife's bodyguard came out (coughs) the sequel to the hitman's bodyguard is set for release on june 16th i did not see the first one neither did i okay well that was fun Um, yeah i'm I'm good on i'm good on this yeah i have i have nothing to say here i like ryan reynolds i like sam jackson i like salma hayek i'll probably see it yeah, maybe. I yeah. Uh, again, I just have no no point of reference, and it's the title. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Just one of those that we we just said. You know, you pick and choose, even if you're one of Hollywood's bitches. And this is the one. This is one of those that I will not choose. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm on kind of a personal mission to see every film that comes out this year, and I'm doing a pretty decent job so far. Though I might have to just take one for the team. Oh man, yeah, I can't even imagine trying to do that. Just, I, I can't, I, I can't even fathom trying to just watch all of the like foreign movies that come out within a year. Let alone these all these streaming movies that are coming out left and right. Yeah, it's it's crazy, but I'm I'm trying. <laughs> it's yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the trailer for Profile came out follows an undercover British journalist as she attempts to infiltrate an Islamic extremist group only to end up sucked in for real. It's all told through webcams, a la Unfriended and Host, uh, supposedly based on a true story and is set for release May 14th. And uh, we saw the trailer for this and our, the next film we're going to talk about uh, when we went to saw In the Earth. And uh, this looks interesting. Uh, looks like it could go off the rails really quickly. Uh, I hope it works out. Yeah, definitely keen on seeing this. Uh, <clears throat> I I think you talked you talked about kind of like trailers are an art. This trailer is pretty pretty brilliant and kind of does some stuff where maybe maybe you feel like you're gonna predict what happens, but you always know when you go into a movie like you know Unfriended or Host or whatever it may be that's kind of like a webcam type movie. There's always gonna be a couple ridiculous twists, and those either land or they don't, and that's really kind of what it's all about, you know? And this, this one looks, this one looks cool. Like I'm expecting it to be pretty solid. I'm impressed by anyone who can make a you know, successful narrative out of webcam footage and yeah. you know, put that together. I'm, I always find that exciting. Even if the movie's not great. Exactly. And that, 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 that kind of new way of, you know, making kind of like a horror, you know, psychological thriller or whatever it may be. It, it, it is, entertaining right it's something that you just kind of can't take your eyes off of even if the quality isn't amazing but if it is you know like i thought host was really effective like really stuck with me and was to me one, one of the more you know effective horror films overall from 2020 and I, I i hope i hope this does that similar similar kind of thing well i saw the um IMDb has its year listed as 2018. So I think this one has been shelved for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why yeah, I not, didn't really look into that, but no, no, neither did I. It's definitely, it piques your interest, right? Like, uh, like I, I sound of metal. I remember reading about how that was a, 
completely finished product in like early 2019, you know, and, and then it doesn't come out till December of 2020, you know, and that, that's just fascinating how movies kind of have this like lifespan and sometimes hit at the right time. Yeah. And here's hoping this one does. Yep. Finally, the trailer for separation. A young girl is haunted by the ghost of her recently deceased mother set for release April 30th. And I think this looks fairly generic. I feel like they just slap different names on the, you know, a ghost formula, make two or three of them a year. And they don't usually stand out. I don't expect big things from this one. No, I don't. <clears throat> this is the one where there's like, remind me, because uh, we did see this trailer. It, it's the one that has a bunch of red involved, correct? With the kind of like the, the, the marketing of it. Uh, th- this is this pisses me off. And in, um, in the horror genre, it's one of the things that I think you can kind of get upset with is too often do you find just out of nowhere, someone trying to create a character that's like, what are you trying to, you're trying to make like a Pennywise type character. What are you doing? And yep. you're trying to make, you're trying to all of a sudden make some kind of like pop culture, iconic villain, like horror villain. And it's just, it's just not easy. It's not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't stand when, you know, 21st century horror tries to do that, tries to like make a figure and they somehow expect that to just kind of carry what's going on and be iconic off of one kind of shitty movie. So yeah, I'm just, this kind of stuff bothers me and it's like, it turns me away, but I, but I also want to see it because I want to see as many uh, modern horror movies as I can. Cause you want to give it that chance. Everybody wants a Baba Duke. No one wants to put in the work. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Like fuck off. You know, it's not, it's just not that easy. It's not that easy. Now, and this will probably be, you know, you can kind of, at this point, you know, we're 16 episodes in on this show, and this show has a pretty set formula at this point. We know what to expect. I can see Separation being one of the backpedal films we just bring up for a, ten, you know, five-minute conversation. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, and with that being said, surprise us and, you know, yeah. surprise the audience, and maybe, maybe we'll say something different, but I don't expect to. Yeah. Well, that's it for trailers. We had quite a lot this week. Uh, now for the news. Netflix is developing a live-action Gundam movie from Jordan Vote roberts the director of Kong Skull Island. You ever uh, remember Gundam? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I, I am very, very fond of Kong Skull Island. I uh, yeah. think that movie is kind of brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely blew me away in theaters and very sad i didn't see godzilla vs kong in theaters really sad about that you still can yeah i know but i already watched it on hbo max so oh. i could go see it again but it was, you know you know what i mean fair enough speaking of Takes- caleb told me he bought his ticket to mortal kombat today oh there you go <laughs> i'm excited to hear you guys talk about that that'll be on here yeah 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 um, I never Gundam. I remember my cousins were really into it, but I never got into. I remember they got me a toy for Christmas one year because they were like, "Play with us," and I was like, eh, "I don't want to." <laughs> uh, I remember um Gundam popping up in Ready Player One, and ah, people being very excited about that. But I don't really have any frame of reference on Gundam. But you know, if the trailer looks cool, I like the director, I like his work. So yeah, we'll see. 
Yeah, Gundam looks kind of like, uh, I guess it would be equivalent to, what's his name in the Transformers, uh, Optimus Prime, kind of looks similar, right, Gundam? <laughs> I feel like a lot of fans are going to hate you for that. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, I clearly have no idea what I'm talking about, so. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know, you know, it, is there anything that's not going to be repurposed? Like everything now, I feel like if it was ever even successful, um, a little bit is going to get the big screen Hollywood treatment now. And I'm kind of over it. I, I want some originality. I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. I, when I searched the image of Gundam, Power Rangers, Transformers, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were the other things that people also search for. There you go. toys 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 (laughs) oh my god and then there's the thing for the nearest walmart to where i'm at jesus christ (laughs) get me the fuck out of here oh that's fantastic (laughs) oh um this was interesting uh i was not expecting this and i'm now i really want to see this comedian burt kreischer has announced an upcoming film based on his signature machine story about the time he got involved with the Russian mafia and Mark Hamill was playing his dad. So we're getting the Burt Kreischer movie. Um, awesome. I think he's fucking hilarious. Yeah. And it's a movie about the fucking machine. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. It's going to be yeah. ridiculous. No. Yeah. Super, super excited about this. He's a guy I want to see. want to see live. I mean, mm-hmm. I, are you, are you a bigger fan of Burt or Tom? Tom, 100%, but I do like Bert. Yeah, yeah, I think Tom is just far superior at just stand-up comedy in general. But but Bert is, you know, one of a kind. You know, he's he's his own animal. uh, And I can't wait to see him in a feature-length film. Yeah. I can't believe he's not dead. (laughs) Just Bert, every day I think, like, is today the day they find his body? Like, he just has such a, you know, ride-it-hard lifestyle that... I just can't fucking believe like dudes in his like late forties, early fifties now, maybe, I don't know. He looks that old. I don't know, but I, I, I he's going to, he's going to play himself, right? He's going to play. We're going to, we're expected to believe that he's college age Bert. <laughs> That's going to yeah. happen clearly. Yes. Hell yeah. Well, I hope that works out because I would, I really want to see that. And I know Tom's going to pop up in there somewhere. He's going to be a Russian mobster or some shit. God, yeah, he's got to. I mean, yeah, there's probably going to be a lot of people that would pop up. Oh, yeah. Uh, next up, Lucy Liu has joined the cast of Shazam Fury of the Gods as the villain Calypso. Uh, cool. Uh, you know, any Kill Bill fans will know Lucy Liu plays a damn good villain. And, uh, I don't. I, I really like Shazam. Uh, it's kind of forgettable, but that's just you know run of the mill for DC these days. And um, I hope the sequel works out. I don't like that they're picking like kind of they're making up their own villains when there's you know a pantheon of DC characters to pick from. But you know I'm optimistic. Well, that's 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 it right there. Is uh, you said you know like you said there's a pantheon of characters to choose from. And if you think as a, you know, if DC people are making these movies with DC characters, 
think that they have better villains in mind, then they shouldn't be in the spot that they're in already. Yeah. They're, I've said it, I've said it too many times, but it's one of the most true things. And, uh, and especially in the film industry we're in right now, and just kind of the landscape is that Marvel takes care of its characters, picks people that are going to take care of them and treat it seriously. And DC fucks around and makes their own character, <laughs> makes up their own new characters. And it's just sloppy as hell and run in the middle, forgettable. And at some point, your legacy just becomes shit. And that's that's frustrating to watch unfold like in our right in front of us. Does the name Nuclear Man mean anything to you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Really silly. Really silly seeing stuff like that. I, and you know, there's fans of all kinds of villains out there, right? That are yeah. wait, waiting for their 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 favorite villain to be in a film. And nah, a, we're gonna nah, we got a better one. No, no you don't. <laughs> Here's a wacky idea. Black Adam. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Play just just play injustice. And you <laughs> there's there's a few on there. You can just pick one out of a fucking hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I'd Every time I think DC is going to course correct, they they don't, and I don't, I don't know. know why I'm still surprised. <laughs> yeah, just keep doing it. Just keep one step forward, two steps back, over and over. Ugh. Uh, speaking of castings, Pete Davidson has been cast as iconic rocker Joey Ramone in the upcoming Netflix biopic "I Slept with Joey Ramone." Uh, okay, sure. I thought King of Staten Island was really good, so I'm on board. I like Pete Davidson. I think this will be interesting. Oh yeah, man. I think he's a really interesting performer and I too King, King of Staten Island was, was solid and it's, he's worth, I think following right now, you know, and seeing kind of what he does next. Yeah. I you know, I think he's going to be one of those guys who actually manages to escape Saturday night live and have a career. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Like, like a, like a Bill Hader, like, you know, there's, there's real talent within there. Yeah. Uh, and this was just fucking awesome. Mads Mikkelsen has joined the cast of Indiana Jones 5 in yeah, an undisclosed yeah. role. Smart Money says he's playing the bad guy. Yes, 100%. And this is, yeah, this is what we want. This is uh, Indiana Jones fans can finally get rid of Crystal Skull, you know, get it out of their heads, you know, and move on. Move on. Get a proper film to finish this thing off. Yeah, here's hoping. Um, more news that comes out about this, the more excited i get and that's a good feeling. yep yes uh and i hate to transition from very positive news to two very sad bits of news uh first up oscar nominated director richard rush has died at 91 from natural causes rush was nominated twice for writing and directing 1980s the stuntman with peter o'toole and that's a film i think we should throw on our list because that sounds very interesting it does. It's definitely a movie I've had my eye on, you know, since we started the Oscar Sunday show, I think, I, I think it, it's like prime for, 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 for you and I, I think it's one of the eighties films that would really pay off. And like you said, uh, it'd be, it'd be good timing now to, you know, get some perspective on this guy and this movie that was really important to his career. Yeah, exactly. And then this just broke my heart. Uh, actress Helen McCrory has died at 52 after a battle with cancer. 
McCrory was known for playing Narcissa Malfoy in the Harry Potter films and Aunt Polly on the period series Peaky Blinders. She also appeared in such films as The Queen, Skyfall, Hugo, and The Count of Monte Cristo. And this was just, I fucking loved her. She was such a talented actress. And I just, my heart goes out to her family. I, I can't imagine the pain Damien Lewis is in right now. I, this is devastating. Yeah. They, <clears throat> yeah. These, these are the ones that sting the most, right? Um, when, when they're of an age that just seems, just seems unfair and, when you're watching them on screen, you feel like, no, oh, there's so much, so much left, you know, so much life to live, so much, so much to give. And that, that's exactly what she did. She just like went for it all the time. And whether it like worked out or not, she was just always like always on eyes, always wide open, just fucking chomping at the bit. Yeah. I, I, th- I think Peaky Blinders is like, you know, pretty, pretty brilliant show. And she's, you know, one of the most effective characters. There's times where she like, you know, stares, stares down Killian Murphy and is like, just kind of outshining him at times. And it's beautiful to watch. Those are the, those are the things you, you just are always going to remember when someone like this at that age passes away, you're just, you just hold on to that stuff that just happened, you know? And, her work in Peaky Blinders is as, is what I will kind of always always see when I think about her. It was a recent rewatch of The Count of Monte Cristo that I realized mm. in that movie. I'd never noticed her. She is Madame Villefort, uh, the magistrate's wife, who is just as sinister and devious as he is. And I can't believe I never noticed it was her. And the fact that, you know, she is a piece of one of my favorite films. That's, you know, to me personally, that's just fantastic. Harry Potter and Count of Monte Cristo. So yeah, rest in peace. Yep. Oh, damn. So before we get into our honorable mention show, In the Earth. Uh, oh boy. Yeah, this was your return to the theaters in uh, quite some time. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, you and I, Met up a little early, got some food, and saw this movie at Santicos Embassy, a wonderful theater that's, I believe, doing things the right way. I know you've been there quite a bit over the past year, uh, and I got vaccinated and felt like it was, it was time to get back out to the theater and see see a random film, and that's what we got in the earth, Ben Wheatley's In the Earth. Um, I don't have much, you know, any reference for him other than Free Fire. It's a decent film from 2016 that he directed. Haven't seen anything else he's he's done um, that he's directed anyway. Yeah. And you know, I I mostly wanted to see this with you. You know, is like oh, I'm going back to the theater. I want to kind of see an atmospheric, you know, horror movie. And that's that's what we got. But you know, I just wasn't very impressed with uh, the fundamentals of the film. The, the the just the story itself was just did, didn't know exactly where to go but there were moments where i was really freaked out yeah it's it's a weird kind of frankenstein film it's two movies kind of stitched together that just don't work yeah and, um, ben wheatley i had seen the um 2020 remake of rebecca that was him 
Oh, yeah, that is him. Yes, yes, yes. And I thought that was not bad. I mean, you know, typically when you remake Hitchcock, you stumble. But I thought he did a fairly decent job. I thought uh, Army Hammer and Lily James were really good. But this was just like the bit with, you know, Zach, the, the hunter guy who drugs them and tries to, you know, sacrifice them to the wood god. That was a cool, like, little story kind of going in a neat direction. But the second they started introducing the scientist and the whole like communicating with nature shit, like none of that made any sense. And yeah, just this, this did not work. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to be totally rude, but Haley Squire's role as Olivia Wendell is just to me fucking useless. Like (laughs) throws the movie into a, just completely ruined the momentum the movie had for me. Uh, not her fault per se that that character though, just made no sense. What, what Haley doesn't know what to do with this is she's constantly put into these terrible spots where she's, she's just annoying. She's just the character who you don't have any really sympathy for what's going on with her. You, but you're not really frightened by her. I, I just was, I was left like kind of emotionless towards her character and thought it was pointless. She's there to deliver exposition, but her delivery (laughs) is so goofy at times that like the audience, like there were a few people in the theater who were just laughing at the dialogue and ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. And not, 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 and you know, there are moments where like Joel Fry's performance as Martin is, is pretty good. And there's a couple moments where he says something kind of sarcastic, but Haley and the Olivia, Olivia Wendell character is, to me, not really going for laughs, but it's just kind of so ridiculous that you do laugh. She's, you know, staring at him or like, this is what we have to do. And I just was, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying anything that you're saying. And I, I, while I thought everybody else was really good, yeah. I thought Reese, I thought Reese Shearsmith was amazing. I just, it, the last 30 minutes just like totally took me out of it. Well, we're not alone in that. Check out this disparity on Rotten Tomatoes. So this has a 75% critic score right now and a 30% audience score. Weef. So, yeah, pe- fans are not enjoying this, and I think critics are, like, I think they're talking out of their ass, frankly. This was just a, a disaster that nobody wants to admit because it's an artsy horror film, and that, you know, appeases critics. Critics don't like, you know, giving slasher films you know, they're due, but when it comes to artsy shit, they're like, oh, it's about nature and man's arrogance and all that. Fucking just forget it. I don't have time for this shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. There are, there are things I appreciate about it, but I know what you mean when it's just kind of like, all right, what are you... You're playing with my emotions now for an hour and 45 minutes is what you're doing. I don't like when I get tricked into watching a David Lynch movie. <laughs> and that's what this... I, I want to know beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> Ben Wheatley, yeah. by the guy, by the way, has been tasked with doing the Meg Two, so we're gonna get some ethereal shark action in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's that's great. I, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, man. I when this movie started, you know, we sat down and it got going. I was, I was, I was really fucking into it. You know, back in the theater, I thought some of the cinematography was pretty, pretty impressive. And as you move in, you know, you realize, okay, this is like a, 
a proper 2020 2021 movie where these people have masks on they're putting hand sanitizer on right when they go inside somewhere and there's those little touches that are pretty cool and there's a couple conversations between martin and uh, alma both really good characters and you know i think there's a couple interesting things where they're talking about like i haven't been around people in months because i've been quarantining and kind of like I'm kind of socially awkward or whatever. I thought some of those things were interesting, but they never quite went down that rabbit hole ever. They never really went into the kind of coronavirus quarantine new way of living. But then they didn't go totally into the weird Zach, you know, thing like slasher movie. So it just it, it just felt like they, they didn't know what they're doing. Uh, and that's the difference between like someone like David Lynch. That is what he's doing. You know, this <laughs> that that's that's the point and you know that going into it right but with this you just you thought you were getting a horror movie and that's not really what you totally got at times yeah but at other times it was just kind of a kind of a mess and didn't know what it wanted to do yeah yeah it's quite a mess um i think i went with a six on this one simply because of the zach scenes i thought those were really well done had me cringing had me actually reacting to the screen yeah, which was great. So I wanted to give you know credit where it's due. That was great, but the rest of the film is is a is a mess. Yeah, I I give it a seven. Same reasons as you. I, I think when one of like my favorite scenes of the past year that I've seen in any movie was when Zach is shooting arrows at Alma <laughs> and Martin. Like whoa, because <laughs> he's kind of like got all these random weapons in his big old tent in the middle of the fucking forest. And when he just starts using different things and then they're kind of running and he's like, ah, going to use my fucking <laughs> bow and arrow, you know, and just starts launching them at, I thought that was unbelievable, you know, and the way that was kind of shot where these two characters are on drugs the entire time. It was very, very interesting, but then it would, t- you know, two steps, you know, one step forward, two steps back type of thing. You know, it, it would continually do that. Uh, and so, yeah, I give it a seven because there are good moments, but, over, you know, I wouldn't totally recommend it to everybody. Well, sequences like Zach appearing in the darkness with a red flare, just like those were really neat. <sighs> yes. Winging the axe in the woods, you know, screaming Martin, like straight shining reference there. Mm-hmm. Like it was cool. Like that bit, that should have been the movie. I, I agree. I thought it should have just become a movie about these two people in the in the forest just trying to run from this guy yeah you know i just i just watched a film not too long ago called alone is on it's on hulu and it was just so fucking simple it was so brilliant i loved it because it was just about a man and who's just chasing down this girl you know and it just gets super gritty and they just they just fucking focus on that and that's in my opinion horror operates best when it hones in when it hones in on its story and figures out this is what we're going to attack you know like a like a shining sticks with its characters a hereditary sticks right with its characters and just makes you fucking you know just kind of kind of tussle with them and that there's nothing like that when you get get used to a zach character and you're like yeah all right i'm i'm kind of in for an hour of this (laughs) And then it gets flipped upside down. You don't see him for the last 20 minutes until the end. It's just, it, it, it's not, it's not, not what I've signed up for. <laughs> yeah. Wheatley, I think, you know, he wanted to have his cake and eat it too. And he just wanted every idea he had into this movie. 
And, you know, I firmly believe less is more when it comes to horror. We've seen that many mm-hmm. times. And this was just, you know, too many, too many ideas that didn't work together. Yeah. yeah you got to kill your darlings. Not every idea is a good one. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're a guy who's making movies a lot, you know, separate your, <laughs> separate your ideas. Uh, but, you know, I, I do, if, if you like this kind of string of A24 horror, like The Witch and Lighthouse and Hereditary and Midsommar and that kind of stuff, this is up your alley, you know. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, well, yeah, I wouldn't throw in all of those being the same quality, but this, this new wave of horror, I, I think this fits in. I think it fits in. It comes at night. Um, uh, what else is up? You know, these kind of like 2010 new kind of horror movies that don't have like quite a huge budget, but big enough to be pretty damn solid. Uh, throw Gretel and Hansel into that mix. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think there's probably you know there's probably a lot like uh, even even something like Nightingale, like a just total revenge movie that's just like fuck and the way it was marketed, very similar to stuff like this. Uh, yeah, I think. I think there's obviously an audience for it you know yeah yeah there is but with that audience comes so many different filmmakers trying to make another mm-hmm. hereditary yep and we end up with so many fucking copycats and and all of them usually suck we this happens every generation you know there's a you know, it happened in the 80s with slasher films you know halloween friday the 13th elm street great everything mm. and then there were just endless stream of copycats yes and yeah, every generation has their kind of horror flavor, and this one is ours. And I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> kind of on the fence. Yeah. Yet. yeah, I would say at the beginning of the decade, you know, you you really, you see, like, The Conjuring is in, you know, uh, sinister, right? You know, these movies that are just kind of like the king of the whole, of horror right there. And, you know, yeah, I, th- I think you just see a clear... Not... I'm not, not switch or anything, but you just see a clear a- adding because you still have, I mean, look how well it, it chapter two did. Those are just fucking like textbook haunted house horror movies, you know, just like to, either they're awesome, but these are, these are like kind of in, they're in, you know, people talk about hereditary a lot. People talk about the lighthouse, you know, and I think this movie could potentially get a kind of, kind of wave. It could, you know, I'll probably throw it into the book of Filmgasm and we might, you know, end up doing it on that show in depth at some point. Yeah. That seems to be, you know, the best place for it. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. You know, it's not going to get any Oscar nominations. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we get into the meat of the show, I would just like to mention that I have a new cat. And if you hear bells or a meowing noise, that is Seymour, the official cat mascot of filmgasm productions just hanging around (laughs) seymour yeah seymour couldn't couldn't be happier to have you uh with us today and you know hopefully you're a part of a uh, a lot of our shows he is a handful and i guarantee you you will hear him on every show but the giggle guys (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious seymour i love him but he'll he'll hear his name a couple times here with uh big dog psh Mm, yes, you will. All right. So today's main course is going to be us talking about some of our favorite leading performances between 2000 and 2009. 
that we think were wrongly ignored by the Academy. And we're going to state our case. So let's do this. Uh, we're not taking any out. We're just, we're just adding. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to start with 2000, go to 2009. We'll go ladies first, you know, we'll do the list off the nominated people, the winner, and then we'll both kind of just throw someone in. Cause yeah, we, we haven't seen every single movie here. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, we've got something more, you know, a little more, uh, knowledge based on Oscar Sunday coming up with the best picture swap, but this is, yeah, this we like to call it a, a lead actor and actress honorable mention. Yes. Yes, exactly. If there was a sixth slot, these are the ones we'd want to get that slot. Yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. They, they, we got my vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 2000 is where we're going to start this out. Uh, best actor. Uh, let's, 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 away. let's, let, yeah, let's get let's get the the women some love first here. Uh, Julia Roberts is the winner for Aaron Brockovich. Joan Allen nominated for the Contender. Juliette Binoche nominated for Chocolat. Ellen Burstyn nominated for Requiem for a Dream. Wonderful performance. And Laura Linney nominated for You Can Count on Me. So yeah, this is a pretty pretty strong group here. And uh, for me. Uh, there was someone that jumped out right away. Uh, a, a film that's involved at this 73rd uh, Academy Awards, and that's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and that'd be Michelle Yeoh as Yu Shu Lien. Just a, a performance that involves uh, a lot of drama, a lot of, a lot of emotions, and then there's, there's a physical performance that is kind of unmatched to me. You, you, it's, it's very difficult to do some of the stuff she's doing in Crouching Tiger, wonderful movie, awesome performances, and it's kind of kind of frustrating when your favorite person in the movie doesn't get any shine when the movie gets a lot of shine. That happened with Parasite too. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good shout out. Yeah, Crouching Tiger is a very exciting, very dramatic film, and she is fantastic in it. Oh yeah, who do you, who, who who do you got? What's your what's your female shout out here? So I uh, stayed in this bunch of films. And I went with an actress who I think is just as good as Ellen Burstyn in Requiem for a Dream, Jennifer Connelly. Oh, I like that. I like that. Uh, It's hard to argue who has the most tragic story in this film, Uh, but she she could take that cake, Um, you know, ending up as kind of just a, you know, smacked out whore. And her journey there is so damn heartbreaking as is everybody's in that film. But I thought she really, I didn't really, Jennifer Connelly wasn't an actress. I really thought about until I saw that movie and I thought like, Holy hell, she's good. So yeah, she was my, she was my pick. I love that. Love that call. Yeah. It's a, something that we feel like is, you know, very possible and happens a lot with the Oscars where the wrong person sometimes we feel like might be nominated and, or maybe both, you know, like say in Judas and the Black Messiah, if only Coolio got nominated or only Stanfield, you'd be like, but the other guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say Ellen Burstyn was the wrong person from that film. because She's she incredible. Awesome. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think she deserved that win. But I do think, you know, Jennifer Connelly deserves to be nominated for either, you know, leading actress or supporting actress, however they want to play it. Yeah, I, I can't say myself. I haven't seen The Contender or You Can Count on Me. But of the three, I would go Ellen Burstyn as well. Of those three, yeah. <laughs> God, that's such a haunting fucking. Movie. I want to. I want to see you can count on me real bad. Laura Lenny's awesome. Oh yeah, 
she's great. And yeah, I haven't seen, I've only seen Requiem for a Dream from this group. Oh, shit. Really? You haven't seen Aaron Brockovich? Oh, man. That's, yeah, you'd like that one. Yeah, I've got, you know, an endless list of homework to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, we all do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it comes to uh, Oscar history. Uh, the 73rd Academy Awards, these, these are the, the men. We have Russell Crowe, who won for Gladiator. We got Javier Bardem, Before Night Falls, Tom Hanks in Castaway, Ed Harris, and Jeffrey Rush in Quills. Yeah. What, what, do you, what, what, what do you got here? I feel like you've seen a couple of these. I have, yes. Uh, I've seen exactly a couple. I've seen Gladiator and I've seen Castaway. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. I, I've seen, I, I have seen Before Night Falls, but I don't, was not in the, I, I remember being really tired and I don't remember the movie too well. I would love to rewatch that one. Uh, and Quills has always been kind of on my, on my list. I, I don't like Jackson Pollock, so I have not seen Pollock. Uh, I'll get to that eventually. Ed Harris is awesome though. And he is. It's, it's worth watching him because he's, he can do kind of anything. So, yeah, watching him play a, a painter, Pollock, that would, be, that would be pretty cool. Russell Crowe is really great in Gladiator. I think he should have won it for A Beautiful Mind, personally. Uh, Interesting. Insider. I think Gladiator's kind of his, of the three he was nominated for, I think Gladiator's probably the weakest performance. That movie's more spectacle than character, I think. Uh, and that's not, you know, it's still a great movie. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, I think that's a good shout. I mean, I love that he gets nominated three in a row, 1999, 2000, 2001. Gladiator, to me, it just it doesn't have the strongest screenplay per se. There's moments where I feel like the story yeah. is the story is solid, but sometimes the way we get there isn't isn't the best. And I think Russell Crowe does a really good job of of holding that movie together. I think him and Juman Hansu are just totally kicking ass and at times you're, you're really saved by some of the some of the shit he's doing as uh, Maximus yeah uh, but 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 I, I hear you out on that you know 2001 he's 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 pretty damn good in a beautiful mind <laughs> uh, but to me there's a guy who I think outshines all well all the ones I've seen anyway oh yeah and that is Guy Pierce in Memento ah that's a good pick that's a good pick his, his performance in that is so jarring, especially after a couple viewings and you realize exactly what's going on here. And just knowing what, who this guy is and what he's capable of and him not being aware of that, there's, it's a very layered performance. He plays off everybody in that film so well, Joe Pantoliano, Carrie Ann Moss. And it's a, it's, I think it's the film that really like showed people what Guy Pierce is capable of. And I really wish that he'd been nominated for it. Yeah, yeah, I think he's unbelievable in that one. That's a good pick. I definitely, definitely looked at that role as, as one of the strongest. And it definitely should have been nominated. I think, I think it would look completely different if you and I did it. Um, the the guy I picked has uh, has been nominated a few times. He's got he has a win. Uh, he won for the Fighter, two thousand ten. That's Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. <laughs> I was this close. I was this close. Yeah, I I thought that I thought we would overlap on this one specifically. Uh, just a, a real breathtaking movie, really beautifully shot, just uber dark, and and at the center of it, Christian Bale is 
doing some of the most kind of absurd work he's ever done. Right. And when he's just screaming about, about his stereo and about the music and yeah, I, I, I kind of can't get over everything he's doing this movie. How the, again, the physical aspect of it, as well as just this incredible narration. I mean, Patrick Bateman is, is kind of iconic. God, I haven't seen American psycho in such a long time. That, oh, that's a dude. great shout out. I would love to do that on film gas and podcast. I mean, holy hell, that would be a blast. Please. Yeah, please. I American psycho is like, gotta be one of the strongest, most unique kind of horror movies of, you know, of this, of this century. Right. And it's, and, and when you get a guy like Bale at the beginning of his uh, uh, kind of at the beginning of his, you know, where he just goes into a, a, you know, this different stratosphere after he starts playing Batman and you're like, Whoa, this guy's just everywhere. And he's amazing. And he's doing all kinds of stuff. You know, I, I, American psycho, if you watch that, it makes sense that all this stuff followed. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I wish it was part, I think he has four nominations right now altogether. And I, I just wish this was one of them. Um, so he's not a guy that's shy when it comes to the, <laughs> the Academy, <laughs> but, but I, I think there's a few from his filmography that they just missed. Yeah. Big time. I agree with that. In fact, one of them will come up later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, there's gonna, there's definitely going to be a few, man. I, I think, I think we both really like stars. We love amazing, you know, character actors and we love these people that pop up all the time. And it's just, it's just going to happen where we feel like they missed some of their best stuff. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, yeah. Awesome stuff. Yeah. That's uh 2000, I think uh, is a year I want to do a lot of research on, but I also have a lot of just personal favorites. So an American psycho and crouching tiger, you know, Ang, Ang Lee's crouching tiger. And I mean, I think people forget that Mary Heron, you know, directed American Psycho. A woman directed this just awesome, badass movie. And people love to praise, you know, male filmmakers like Out the Wazoo. And then they don't pay attention when there's one right in front of them. So I just want to give her a shout. I think maybe, you know, in my world, she'd be up for best director. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally understandable. That is, I really want to revisit that. I'm probably going to watch that this week. Nice. Let's do it on film, guys, man. I'm in. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, 2001. Now, uh, we'll go back to the women. We'll go back and forth here. Um, the, the two wins in 2001 are both wonderful. You know, you got Halle Berry wins for Monsters Ball. Judy Dench nominated for Iris. Uh, Nicole Kidman nominated for Moulin Rouge. Sissy Spacek for In the Bedroom. And Renee Zellweger for Bridget Jones' Diary. So this is... Oof, this is a good group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get, I'm so behind on the 2000s acting. I've seen, I have not seen, I've seen Moulin Rouge and in the bedroom. Uh, oh, monster spall, bro. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Bridget Jones diary. I just kind of think that movie sucks, but it's just not really built for my, you know, my palate. So <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah, I have, I, I don't know. Renee Zellweger is good, but I think she's a tad overrated. Uh, I've never, I've never seen Iris, but yeah, I, I think the Halle Berry win is totally justified. She's so fucking good in that movie. That's what I've heard. I've heard that movie is a rough watch. Yeah, it's tough. It's got a really tough stuff. Heath Ledger's character, uh, Billy really all three Billy Bob's character at the beginning, uh, fucking Sean Diddy Combs is in it. So yeah, 
his his ride is tough. Everybody, yeah, it just goes through it a little bit. Right on. Well, what was your uh, what was your pick here? You fucking know. Come on now, Mulholland Drive, Naomi Watts. This is easy. This is silly. She plays Betty Elms and Diane Selwyn, two different characters, just beautifully uh, in this movie. Probably David Lynch's masterpiece. So yeah, just silly that she's not nominated. <laughs> I never th- really thought I would like that movie, but I did enough to pick Naomi Watts from a hole and drive myself. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. It's, it's, uh, this one's obvious to me. Yeah. I, I, I think the Academy missed just missed out on a few things with that movie. And that's the main one. Yeah. She's unbelievable. She makes that movie what it is to me. And I, uh, yeah. the fact she wasn't up is fucking criminal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think she rivals Halle Berry, but yeah, the fact that she's not in that group is is bonkers. Now, we did do uh, In the Bedroom, episode four of uh, Oscar Sunday, and Sissy is just like, her and Tom Wilkinson are just fucking, ch- just choking the shit out of you. And I I was very grateful for those two performances in that movie altogether. And that's a that's one that's totally worth being there. Yeah, I agree. And I thought, you know, Nicole Kidman was was pretty good in Moulin Rouge, but I've never really been that big a fan of hers anyway. I like Kidman. I think I think Kidman brings it. I, I think she is a tad overrated when it comes to like the Academy. I think they like her more in favor of people. I think they just kind of it's like they're just one of their favorites. Yeah. But she but she's she brings it. She brings her her punch, you know, to no matter what it is, even if it's like fucking uh I I think she's the one who's in just go with it. Uh, with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> she plays this character named Devlin. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's her that's in. Yeah, anyway, it could kind of go on but weird tangents. But but this is, uh, yeah, to me, Naomi, Naomi Watson. I, I'm glad you always you also chose her. Uh, I'm glad you, you know, when we were watching a bunch of Lynch stuff and doing a Twin Peaks episode and all that jazz, I, I'm really glad you liked that one because it is my favorite for sure. I Yeah, I remember distinctly thinking like i this is gonna suck but i got drawn in and her performance is a big part of that yeah yeah i'm I'm glad we both went there i knew you were gonna go there but i figured like i can't go anywhere else easy money yeah yeah that one (laughs) that one's that was probably i think that was the first name i wrote down for this entire thing is that was that one's the easiest that one's the one i know about and i'm always been upset about but the the, the male group here, you know, you have quite possibly the strongest win of the entire decade. Uh, Denzel Washington as Alonzo Harris in Training Day. Just holy shit. <laughs> no taking that from him. Uh, you got Russell Crowe for Beautiful Mind, Sean Penn, I Am Sam, Will Smith for Ali, and Tom Wilkinson for In the Bedroom, who we just spoke about. Uh, I've seen all these movies, and, and yeah, it's just <laughs> not even close for me. Denzel is just destroying the competition in that movie. Yeah, he's he's terrifying. He's fascinating. He's hilarious at times and just an amazing performance. I love when actors who don't traditionally play villains play super sadistic villains. That's that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah, Denzel people got used to for about 20 years, you know, 15 20 years they got used to Denzel being this guy you can always look up to in these movies, right? And then bam, just smacked right in the face. And then he and then he plays uh, Frank Lucas, an American gangster, six years later. And it's like, all right, calm down, my dude. You know, he, we're not used to that. 
<laughs> but it's, but it's, you know, training day has its flaws in many flaws, but Denzel is never a part of that. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I have not seen, I am Sam, but the other four films I have seen. Yeah. And uh, who do you have for this one? I, this was tough. Um, I obviously, you know, have to go with films that I've seen. Yes. You know, performances I can judge for myself. And this was one I always thought stood out in a film that made some waves, but I feel like has been kind of ridiculed since its release. Uh, Haley Joel Osment in AI Artificial Intelligence. I like that. Good shout. Yeah, he is astonishing in that film. You know, playing a, a robot. The kid doesn't blink the whole movie. That takes talent for, you know, the oldest actors. This kid was like 11 when that came out. And he's fantastic. You know, you believe this kid's journey to want to be a real boy. It's, you know, future Pinocchio. It's, it's a very good movie that I think, you know, people need to revisit. Uh, but Haley Joel is fantastic in that. And he was my choice. Yeah, that would have been his second nomination behind, you know, Sixth Sense. That would have been pretty cool. Yes, it was. Uh, all, all before age 12. <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool makes me feel unaccomplished um i chose uh <laughs> i chose my guy gene hackman uh a guy who's not you know he, he's pretty familiar with with the academy awards and movies he's been in but his uh his, his work as royal tenenbaum uh, in the royal tenenbaums wes anderson's 2001 just kick-ass movie he, he he's amazing i think he was nominated for the golden globe but then I just think he belongs in this group. And when I rewatch this movie, I've seen it so many goddamn times. He, he's the one that I kind of find myself waiting for the most. Um, I, I love what Owen Wilson is doing as Eli Cash. I, that, that role is unbelievable. Definitely a supporting type role. But as far as carrying this film, I think Gene Hackman, was just kind of a match made in heaven with Wes Anderson at that time. And I, I would, yeah, I would have loved to see old man Gene Hackman have gotten the nom for this movie. I have yet to tap into Anderson really beyond the life aquatic and the grand Budapest. I've, I'm waiting for really your go ahead on Oscar Sunday to really, you know, dig into that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's not, there's places I, I, you know, you, I would like to go with him for sure. You know, and I think doing a Royal Tenenbaums episode would be really cool. It's up for screenplay. And I think that's one of his most, you know, highest quality films, right. Where I just don't see how you couldn't find yourself having a good time. That's the way I feel about Grand Budapest. I understand if you're not crazy about Ball Rocket or Rushmore or, or Life Aquatic or Isle of Dogs, you know, that's fine. But to me, Budapest and Royal Tenenbaums are kind of like just, just almost perfect. That's what I hear. And I'm, yeah, I want to, I want to take the plunge. I want to have like an Anderson week and just watch everything he's done. So I can Hell finally yeah. cross him off my list and finally talk about him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could do on Oscar Sunday, of course, you know, there's, there's all there, you, you could do the animated route, you know, you could do Isle of Dogs or Fantastic Mr. Fox. And then, yeah, and then you could do the Budapest Hotel and World Tenenbaums and stuff that's been uh, live action stuff that's been nominated and kind of go anywhere with him. And it, it, he's one of the people that I know it'll be really like hard to properly 
articulate how I feel about all of his movies because it's so important to me, you know, and that shit's not easy to like reckon with and admit it. Sometimes it's hard to admit why you love something because sometimes you just love it. You don't even fucking know. (laughs) Oh, believe me. I am. Yeah. I I understand that very much. (laughs) Hell yeah, man. Cool shit. Uh, so, so Gene Hackman, who, who'd you have? You had a Haley Joel. Oh yeah, I want to make sure we we got these we got these down. So we're we're through two thousand two thousand one, two thousand two. Let's let's move back to the to the women here. We got Nicole Kidman, who we just spoke about, one for the hours. We got Selma Hayek up for Frida. We got Diane Lane for Unfaithful. Julianne Moore, Far from Heaven, and Renee Zellweger again for Chicago. Yeah, I've only seen Chicago. <laughs> I, I've seen Chicago in the hours. That's it for me. Um, these, this is not this. Yeah. I mean, w- with the lack of knowing what these roles are all about and is, this is not the most exciting group. Right. So I, I, I for, for me, I was like, I could just kind of spice this up completely. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta throw in something that is, is kick-ass. Cause I don't see a lot of kick-ass things going on here. So I, I went with Naomi Harris in uh, 28 days later as a uh, good old Selena. I think her and Killian Murphy are exquisite alongside one another. And she is doing all kinds of crazy shit. And that movie is just badass. And it's one of my favorite movies from 2002. And she's a big reason why. I looked at my letterbox. I looked at 2002 and I went through the films I've seen. And I thought, I got to trust my instincts. I got to, th- I got to throw some love to one of my favorite horror films. And I went Naomi Harris for 28 days later. Bang, bang, bang. 2001 and 2002, we both go Naomi Watts, Naomi Harris. Let's go. She's fucking lights out in that movie. She is fantastic. They all are, but she stands out. And it's, yeah, I I love that film to death. It's one of my favorites. So, yeah. 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 (laughs) That's, That's wonderful. We both had something like this happen. We were doing a recast of some sort. We both picked Naomi Harris for something. It was Antebellum. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we chose Naomi Harris to like replace Janelle Monet, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. We clearly both really, really like her, respect her. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with James Bond for you. And for me, it has a lot to do with Moonlight. You think it's James Bond? It's actually Pirates of the Caribbean that made me really respect her. Well, really, it's 28 days later. <laughs> <laughs> And then those other things, yeah. No, I, no, I, I hear that. Pirates of the Caribbean is massive. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get to somebody from Pirates of the Caribbean soon. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, well, well, not me, but uh, actually nominated, Mister yeah. Mister Johnny Depp will come up soon. Uh, that that's that's awesome, man. Both both have Naomi Harris. <laughs> so let's let's kick it over to the men. Uh, I got a fun one here for sure. I, I feel like it's a little bit uh, predictable, but uh, anyway, Adrian Brody won that year for the pianist. Nicholas Cage was nominated for Adaptation. Michael Caine for The Quiet American. Daniel fucking Day-Lewis for Gangs of New York. One of his six nominations. And Jack Nicholson, one of his 12 nominations about Schmidt. Goddamn. Um, wow, wow, wow. Look at this group. <laughs> you got a couple, well, really, you got like three Academy dogs. You know, Michael Caine, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Jack Nicholson. People that know what this is all about. Nicholas Cage, he's won one, 1995. He's been here before. Yeah. Adrian Brody, at the time, the youngest winner ever. You know, uh, this is kind of kind of a, a big historical win for Adrian Brody, and I think he I think he's pretty great in the 
you know, Roman Polanski directed pianist. It's not my favorite movie of his, but Adrian Brody is, is very good for me. I, I think it's silly how many times he's been overlooked. I brought him up before and Adam Sandler and punch drunk love as Barry Egan, just a mind boggling performance. And I can't stand that. He doesn't get the respect he deserves when he does go out of his box and do things that are not just straight up comedy. Uh, Cause God, the guy can fucking act. I fucking love Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Love, and I picked him too. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is fantastic! Oh my god, oh, Barry Egan, dude. Well, you you um you get used to a guy, right? You get used to a guy playing, you know, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, these characters, and then he then you see something like this that's just a few years after all of that, you know, just three years after Big Daddy. And he just he just blows you away in this movie. The fact that he's able to go just straight up toe to toe with Philip Seymour Hoffman tells you a lot. It's yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I I love seeing films that change my opinion of actors. And you know, with Uncut Gems and Punch Drunk Love, I gained an entirely new respect for Adam Sandler. And uh, yeah, there's no way he was my first choice. For this, for this one, I, I didn't really explore beyond it. I was like, of course, he was, he was amazing. Yeah, I didn't budge either. Yeah, I, yeah, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. Maybe my favorite movie of the entire year. And just a real weird PTA movie, which is saying something. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love that. We got three in a row there. Naomi Watts, Adam Sandler, Naomi Harris. We, we, we picked the same people. That's wonderful. I've got a feeling 2003... This was the one where I was like, I feel like we're definitely going to overlap. So I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious now. 2003 uh, for the women. You have a really cool role from uh, Charlize Theron for the win in Monster. She's so good in that. And then Keisha Castle Hughes for Whale Rider. Diane Keaton for Something's Gotta Give. Samantha Morton for In America. And then here's Naomi Watts for 21 Grams. So for 2003... This group is very strong and it's hard to take one of these women out, especially when I haven't seen all the movies, but why, why, why was Uma Thurman not nominated for Kill Bill? <laughs> why? What, what does she have to do? What does she have to do in this movie to be recognized? Fucking oh, ridiculous. It's yeah. I, her work in that film is remarkable. And that's why I also picked Uma Thurman for Kill Bill. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. This is great. I, I, I've got, I just have a feeling that the, the male group here is going to go the same. I think it is. I think it is too. Sean, Sean Penn, the win for Mr. Gribber. Johnny Depp, nominated for Pirates of the Caribbean. Ben Kingsley, House of Sand and Frog. Sand and Fog. Jude Law for Cold Mountain. God, what a boring movie. And Bill Murray for Lost in Translation. <laughs> Where the fuck is Aragorn? Oh. <laughs> Where's my boy Viggo Mortensen? Why? Just because it's Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit. It's one of the best movies, one best picture, and he's one of the best parts of the entire thing. That is a great shout-out, and I did not pick Aragorn. That's shocking. I know, considering I just saw all three films of the movies, and they've been in my head, and I was thinking, like, holy fuck, he's great in this. But there is somebody who, to me, delivers a much more subtle performance in a small Canadian film that did not get any attention and that is philip seymour hoffman in owning Mahoney. oh you knew i thought about this yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh man. Good God. Is that a film that deserves way more attention? What a fantastic, sad movie about gambling addiction. And he is unreal and enough said. <laughs> God. Yeah. Great shout. That was the only other person I even thought about, but I, I had to give Lord of the Rings that, that do I am full oh, man. Owning Mahoney is one of the reasons I respect you as a movie connoisseur. It's one of the very first movies you let me borrow. And I watched it and I was just on the edge of my seat. I mean, I love movies that deal with gambling and addiction and that kind of stuff that like that world put PSH in that when I had already seen hard eight, like give, give, yeah, just fucking feed me. And you, you, you really kind of blew my mind with that movie. I, I love that shout. That's a good one. My honor. That movie is <laughs> fantastic, and I yeah, more people should see it. It's, it's one of the uh, yeah. performances, and that is saying something. Yeah, I think that one, and we both agree that Before the Devil Knows You're Dead are just just awesome stuff from Phil. Uh, breathtaking, breathtaking performances. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah, good stuff. All right, well, that's, that's 2003. Uh, we both had Uma Thurman. You had PSH. I had Vigo. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll have some difference here, I think. 2004, it's a real strange year. Uh, for, the, for the women, we got Hillary Swank. For, she got the win for uh, Million Dollar Baby. Annette Bening was nominated for uh, her role in Being Julia. Catalina Sandino Marino was nominated for Maria Full of Grace. Uh, Imelda Staunton was nominated for Vera Drake. It's a film we just talked about. That's a Mike Lee movie, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then Kate Winslet was nominated for... Uh, I would say the movie that has kind of lasted the longest out of these eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Uh, boring, (laughs) boring group, boring group. I, I, um, I went with a role that deserved attention three times, Uh, a character that deserved attention three times, never got it. One of them came out in 95, one of them in 2004, one of them in 2013. That comes from Richard Linklater's before trilogy, the Julie Delpy as Celine, and Before Sunset, 2004, is just the best the best stuff I've seen from from really anyone. Uh, that's my favorite. <clears throat> Her performance in all three of the films is like my favorite stuff inside each year, as far as performance. She's just Ethan Hawke's the man, but Julie Delpy's at times running circles around him. She's just something else. I got to see those movies. I, yeah, I have not checked them. Buckle out. up. They're, they're rough. They're, they're rough when you, when you, when you, fans like you and I sincerely appreciate and really give ourselves to movies like that, it just slaps you in the face a couple of times and is like far too real at moments. That's what I've heard. Yeah. And, you know, over the course of all these podcasts, I've gained an entire, the new respect for Ethan Hawke, as you are well aware of. <laughs> yes. So. Hell yeah. We've already brought up without even really bringing up Ethan Hawke. We brought up training day. We brought up before the devil knows you're dead movies that he's involved with. The guy, the guy is, is wonderful for sure. And has kind of found his own. He, you, you and I are talking, he's just kind of like, he's always going to give his effort. You know, he's going to try as hard as he can. He's like the kid on the basketball team. Who's like diving all over the floor and like, can't really shoot at all, but he's trying his fucking hardest all the time. And that, that should be recognized sometimes. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I went a little outside the box on this one. Um, 
is a film that actually got pretty critically reviled and has not to a lot of people aged well, but I, I find it highly underrated. And I went with Bryce Dallas Howard in the village. Ooh, I like that. That I think that movie's decent. Yeah. I like it. I think it's a really cool idea. I think, yeah, it's not executed particularly well. It's M nights, you know, towards the end of his good phase, (laughs) but the village creeps me out. And Bryce Dallas Howard's performance is very good and overlooked. The whole bit where she's, you know, well, first off, she's playing a blind woman. Second off, when she's like running from Adrian Brody in the woods, I always get, you know, just freaked out by that movie. I like The Village. I don't care what anyone says. So I'm going with Bryce Dallas Howard for my pick. Good call. And, you know, you and I are both the same page that we wish more films like that, more genre, more horror films got that kind of recognition. And she's very good. She's being asked to do a lot. In that movie, that's for sure. Uh, good, good shout. I like that. Uh, for the men, I think we both agree that Jamie Foxx just kind of knocks it out of the park. And Ray, uh, Don Cheadle, Hotel Rwanda, Johnny Depp, Finding Neverland, Leonardo DiCaprio, The Aviator, and Clint Eastwood, Million Dollar Baby. That's, good Lord, what a group. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus. It's a, that's a crazy group. I, I, I've seen all these films. Um, but I, I do think of these, Jamie Foxx is, is definitely doing the most and deserved that win amongst those five. Um, the guy it shows is, is um, I don't know. I don't know what I totally think about his career. But this movie, I just saw it for the first time sometime last summer, uh, shortly after I signed up for Criterion. And I, you know, really like going into the they have these sections where it's three by whoever so it's three films by this person three films by this person that's been a really good way for me to get introduced to filmmakers and watch you know a set of movies that's that that i know i can knock out right yeah and so when i i remember when i found the gregor rocky three films by gregor rocky section uh i had heard a lot about this guy how he was huge for the uh you know, kind of this wave of movies that's coming out that's giving in the, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s, that's giving uh, LGBTQ members, it's giving them voices that actually reflect what's going on. Uh, It's not just kind of like John Hughes bullshit, you know, kind of like stereotype characters. It's, I I think Gregor Rocky is like at the forefront, you know, I think like Gus Van Sant's a guy you would have to look at, I think, those people are really important. And I think mysterious skin from 2004 is a just brilliant, like sci-fi drama. And then Joseph Gordon Levitt is as a uh, Richard Swerzy is no, sorry. His name's Neil in that movie. Thinking of a different, different, different role. He's, he's so goddamn good. And so off his rocker and doing so many crazy things. It's a, it's a role that I just cannot shake. You know, it's kind, kind of got me to my core and I, have not rewatched that movie because it's it's not the easiest thing to watch. And it really messed with my head because of how good fucking Joseph Gordon-Levitt was. And for that reason, I I had to, had to give him a shout out uh, in that movie uh, as well. I I think it deserves a lot more attention when it came out. Right on. I remember when you were going through the Rocky films on, uh, criterion when you know i kept getting the reviews i remember reading them and you were you were very into those films 
and yeah totally totally fucked up is fucking awesome and then but mysterious skin is just like on a different level yeah yeah for sure um i went a lot more lighthearted on my pick um (laughs) (laughs) i've always enjoyed this film uh it's not listed among spielberg's greatest but Mm. it's an endearing comedy and a heartwarming drama and it's one of my favorite tom hanks performances and that is the terminal yes Tom Hanks is, I think Victor Navorsky is his character's name. And just this guy who's, while mid-flight, his country of origin goes through a coup and his passport's no longer valid, which means he can't go home and he can't enter the United States. So he is trapped at JFK International Airport indefinitely, and he has to make a life there. And, you know, the the, the people, like, he, he makes friends, he, like, the people who work there recognize him the constant flyers recognize him he learns how to speak english and he helps yeah. people with their problems and it's just such a sweet film and tom hanks is so good and you want this guy to succeed you know tucci is such a dick in that movie constantly impeding his journey towards uh uh immigration and just seeing you know victor do whatever he can to find a home somewhere is wonderful and tom hanks always delivers in my opinion and yeah i love that movie yeah one of the like most professional and solid actors to ever live <laughs> i totally 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 get why you would shout him out and i figured he would come up at some point um i like that Tur- that's a movie i have not seen in a long time i, li- I like that I like that shout out that's uh that that wraps up 2004 we're about halfway done here uh, 2005 back to the women uh, this is the year Reese Witherspoon got the win for playing June Carter Cash in Walk the Line. Judy Dench was nominated for Mrs. Henderson Pre- Presents. Felicity Huffman was nominated for Trans America. Keira Knightley was nominated for Pride and Prejudice. And Charlize Theron was nominated for North Country. 2005, what a fascinating year. This one was actually for both men and women. I had to really dig, dig deep and, and do some research on this one. Yeah, for, for, for movies I've seen and really kind of stacked them up against one another. And for both, I kind of went with a random one. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name exactly. Uh, I'm going to go for it, though. Kioranka Kilcher, I think. Uh, she plays Pocahontas in The New World. Terrence uh-huh. Malick's 2005 borderline masterpiece. Awesome movie. Just totally epic. Christopher Plummer delivers one of my favorite performances of his career in that movie. But and, and Colin Farrell is great, but it's really it's really this woman playing Pocahontas who just totally steals the show and gives Pocahontas a proper representation, which uh, was desperately needed. Um, yes. Wish the movie wish the movie was a bit more popular. Uh, it, it is like three hours and not the most accessible film, so I understand that. But mm-hmm. I think it's very good, and I think people should check it out. And she's she's so good. That's great. Yeah, you've told me about the new world a few times. And I think that is, you know, I I have so many problems with Disney's Pocahontas that being like the definitive version of that story that I, yeah. I would like to see something different. So I think I will check out the new world if I can somehow get a hold of it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was on Criterion in a, a, a three by Malik thing. It had uh, Days of Heaven, uh, Badlands and the new world were the three that were in that. I watched all three of them. And yeah, you know, had a had a fucking great time. 
That's awesome. I, my pick may surprise you because I have talked a lot of shit about this actress. <laughs> okay. Natalie Portman for V for Vendetta. Oh, so good. That was one of the ones I, oh yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. V for Vendetta is a badass movie. And I don't, you know, Alan Moore's work has not been the best, you know, the most well-adapted over the years, but I think that one in particular stands out. And Natalie Portman's transformation from, you know, regular girl to anarchist is believable and exciting. And she has great chemistry with Hugo Weaving and it's a solid flick. And I thought she was fantastic in it. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man. I, I really like that. And you, we both, we both uh, realize a lot, you know, even when maybe it's not one of our favorite people or something that there's, there, there's probably something really good to offer, you know, uh, somewhere in that filmography. We, we both, I feel like go through that sometimes. <laughs> I've had to eat a lot of crow on these podcasts when I find, you know, a, a film that stars an actor I don't like who does a great job. And I got to be like, well, I was wrong. You know, I've had to fess up quite a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I will just talking about Malik, I, when I, when I wrote my tree of life review, I talked about how I didn't like that movie when I first watched it, I was like 16, 17. And then when I watched it now, you know, like a year ago, I was just kind of just taken aback by it. And that's like the power of rewatching the power of time, the power of having more references, having more knowledge of the history of this thing. You know, that, that shit matters so much context fucking matters. Uh, that that's for sure. I, lo- I, lo- I love it, man. This is, <laughs> I love doing shit like this, looking at these categories and picking stuff we love. Uh, the, the males here uh, makes me want to cry looking at a couple of these names. Um, got Philip Seymour Hoffman, the man with the win for Capote. You got Terrence Howard was nominated for Hustle and Flow. Uh, Heath Ledger's nominated for Brokeback Mountain. Joaquin Phoenix for Walk the Line and David Stratham for uh, Good Night and Good Luck. Um, I didn't really even feel like picking one for this, to be honest with you, my man. Um, I went with something just completely off the wall because I just don't really care uh, to take this away from my guy. Uh, nor do I really care to take anything away from Heath Ledger, who to me gave his best performance of his career in Brokeback Mountain as in Estelle Mar, God damn you, Jack, you know, like I, I, I think about, I think about in Estelle Mar all the time more than I do the Joker. I know that's silly to a lot of people, but I just, in Estelle Mar is the character. <laughs> um, I, I, I chose John Hawks uh, and me and you and everyone we know. It's a Miranda July movie from 2005, really, really cool movie. And John Hawks is awesome in it, but I just, again, just didn't really care to do this year. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a stacked year. It features two powerhouse actors we lost way too soon, delivering some of their finest work. And, you know, Brokeback Mountain, I'm so glad I finally watched that movie back in the day. I was, I was touched. I mean, that is one of the most beautiful love stories I've ever seen. And it's, it had me in tears almost the whole time. Uh, yeah, it's hard to, to pick anybody who can stack up against those guys. And uh, the guy I picked, admittedly, doesn't. But it's a good performance that I think could have if these guys hadn't been there. Uh, 
it's a very evil performance. It's a, like, if you read this film the correct way, and that is Patrick Wilson in Hard Candy. Mm, wow, good fucking call. Yeah. That is one of the darkest films I've ever sat through. Uh, seeing Patrick Wilson and Elliot Page just go back and forth like that, not knowing really who the bad guy is until the end. And good God, yeah, the, the way the movie fucks with you and just, you know, makes you sympathize with both sides at random moments. That is a brilliant film. And Patrick Wilson is lights out. Uh, yeah, I, I wish that had gotten more love with the Academy. Hell yeah. Good. That's a movie. Talk about a movie worth rewatching. Uh, and Patrick, Patrick is a guy who's just never going to get his due no. ever, nope. never. And he's, but he's a part of so many wonderful things, popular, unpopular kind of niche stuff, cult stuff. He is a part of it all. And I, I'm so grateful for him. I think he's awesome. I think he's going to, I think he's someone we're just going to like regret not uh, cherishing more while he's in his prime. Yeah. But also I think like, I'm excited to see him play like older, gruffer, you know, gruff characters oh, in his dude. later years. I feel like this guy's going to be like a Harry Dean Stanton around forever kind of guy. Oh man. Yeah. And I hope so. Yeah. Good shit. That I, I love, I love that. <laughs> bring up, bring up some of these people. Yeah. Just gets, gets me a little too excited sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That, <laughs> I, I knew that was coming, you know, talking about 2005 is not, it's it's just a guy who is one of the best, Philip Seymour Hoffman, a guy who only got to do it into his forties, but was at the at the peak of his powers. What he's doing in the master is <laughs> is the guy goes out to me on top, you know. Uh, yeah. And Heath Ledger, <laughs> you could say the exact same thing. There's no doubt in my mind that he's doing some of the most amazing work we've ever seen, you know, while he was here in his 20, in his early mid twenties before he passed away. I think, I think that guy was on a path to total, total domination, you know, and you and I, while, while obviously they both have a lot of fans. I know you and I, you know, we named our acting award on Oscar Sunday after Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. The guy, the guy matters means a lot to us. Your cat's name is Seymour. Uh, you know, I, I know, I know you didn't name it exactly after PSH, but that's gotta be somewhere in your mind, right? <laughs> it, yeah, for sure. It's yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Always. I, I love the guy to death. And so really, really glad Capote is just an awesome movie. Awesome performance. Uh, having Catherine Keener are totally knocking out of the park. So really, really, really like that. He got that win. Um, 2006. Uh, I, f- I feel like, you know, where I'm going with the women here. Uh, <laughs> I've talked about it. On Oscar Sunday, we did a whole episode around a movie that she, that this movie that I'll talk about. Uh, Helen Mirren won for The Queen. Penelope Cruz is up for Evolver. Is that how you say it? Evolver? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think that's right. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Judy Dench, Penelope Cruz is great. I haven't seen that one, but I would like to. Judy Dench, uh, Notes on a Scandal, Meryl Streep, The Devil Wears Prada, and Kate Winslet for Little Children. Uh, Little Children, this is a movie you and I have got to get on. This is Todd Field, same guy who did In the Bedroom. Ooh. And these are the only, I believe these are the only two feature-length films he's, he's done where he's been a uh, writer and director. So I feel like we got to find our way to that movie at some point because we both really dug in, uh, in the bedroom. Oh, yes. Absolutely. 
Good shit. Who, who, who do you have for 2006? Because you know where I'm going. I think I went the same place. Um, Tony Collette, Little Miss Sunshine. Easy does it. Yeah. No, 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 no question about it. As, as Cheryl. Yeah. She's unbelievable. Perfect. Everyone's perfect in that movie, but she's maybe the most perfect. Uh, her and Alan, her and Alan Arkin, you know, where he was, he was there. <laughs> he actually got to compete. Uh, she, she did not get to compete for best actress. And I think that's a damn shame. So many times in her career has she been just overlooked for some reason. I don't understand why. And I will sing her praises forever. I've, I feel like I've gone on so many tangents on all of these shows, just randomly praising Tony Collette. And I'll keep doing it because she's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's never going to stop. If she keeps doing amazing shit every fucking year, <laughs> I have no choice. I have no choice but to be a Tony Club might be might be one of the best actresses to ever live. I have no choice but to say that when this keeps happening, whether it be whether it be her giving it her 110% in Velvet Buzzsaw or her in Hereditary or her in Little Miss Sunshine or The Sixth Sense, I love every single thing she does. <laughs> yep. Same. Uh, yeah, I figured that there was some surefire overlap on, the, on my list and I, I knew that was going to be one of them. Yeah, that yeah, that was that I had that one in Uma Thurman. I was like those two for sure. I mean, we just yeah, we both yeah, we both feel a certain way about both movies. <laughs> yeah, that, that that one was that one was easy, and I I really do think, to my knowledge, you know, it's it's a it's not just a performance worth a nomination. It's possibly a performance worth a win, and uh, that's we we wish Tony Collette. We hope she gets a win one day. That'd be really cool. Oh yeah, I'd be so excited. Um, for for, for the men here. Uh, an uber fascinating group uh forrest whitaker won for the last king of scotland leonardo dicaprio was up for blood diamond ryan gosling who at the time was i might still be the youngest nominated actor uh for the category he's like 26 or something uh you got peter o'toole (laughs) for for venus and then will smith for the pursuit of happiness just crazy group i you know I'm, you know, I really love Half Nelson. It's one of my favorite movies from 2006. I really wish he would have won, but, but I, I think these are the these are the years where I, my mind, when, when I'm kind of okay with the group, my mind just wanders to like a totally different place of like what could have been unique. Yeah. And one of my very favorite movies from 2006 is Bong Joon Ho's The Host, and our man who's you know playing one of the lead lead roles in Parasite, Kang Ho Song. Also plays the main character in in the host King uh, Gangdu Park is his name. And that movie is just something else, you know, on, on on its own. But when you're breaking down the performance, and Kang Ho Song just as a performer, you know, he's he's got everything, like everything in his bag, every, like every little thing you want out of a you know person on the screen. He's in, impeccable comedic timing, impeccable. He can kind of get to this nasty, nasty place in moments if he needs to. And, you know, I know you and I have other movies that, that, you know, that he's kind of shook us in, right? <laughs> he's, he's uh, one of the more uh, expressive actors that I've watched where his face is doing as much work as his voice, you know, and I really like the host. And then when I rewatched it, uh, I rewatched it, like right after Parasite came out and kind of had all that buzz, I was just like, this, this, this might be the better movie. <laughs> and like the host, I think is the one that 
will look back on Bong Joon-ho's career and be like, what the fuck were we all doing? <laughs> this movie is a masterpiece. It's one of the best monster movies of all time. That's, that's where like my head is at with it. And uh, yeah, I think, I think he's, he's got the best strongest performance inside the movie. And I, I wish, you know, I wish the Academy, especially of old would have done more stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of for the two thousands, it's got two strikes against it. It's, it's a foreign film and it's a horror film. So yeah. yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Exactly. Monster movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I, I bought that a while back and I still haven't watched it. I'm, I'm waiting for it to come up on the show. There's a lot of movies yeah. that I'm waiting for my you know first reactions for the show and the host. Is it's just going to blow your fucking mind. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to love that movie. <laughs> it's great. It really is. It's really a, just a, I, I think like, you know, you've seen Snowpiercer, right? It's yeah. just, and it's just like, constant constant entertainment bop, 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 bop. the beat the tempo is just this is what you go to see movies for <laughs> is that is that exact that that tempo of just bam 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 movie making you know and he's he's one of the best at it in the past 20 years you know he's just got such control yeah he's amazing uh i went with a filmmaker who uh is also lights out uh doing a film that might be my favorite of his that's non-superhero related uh hmm. in a performance that spoiler alert is a dual performance a secret dual performance and that is christian bale in the prestige oh man good call alfred borden the man who is willing to do whatever it takes to be the greatest magician in london and it that film gets better every time i watch it i love that movie to death uh, it's one of Nolan's strongest films and Christian Bale. That's the first time I ever found out he was English, first of all. And yeah, he did that in between the, you know, Batman begins and the dark Knight, and just good God. The first time I watched that, I couldn't fucking believe that Christian Bale was playing two characters the whole time. I was so like, I couldn't comprehend it. It to me, to me is quite possibly Nolan's best twist yeah his whole career yes I but yeah no no it is yeah <laughs> I think it is I think it is I think I think Interstellar has a moment where it really just punches you right in the face but the prestige is like gives you the kind of that weird thing down your neck where you're like oh shit <laughs> I don't know I don't know about this and it just kind of changes your whole changes your whole attitude about the movie and that's a great shout I love that Christian Bell has been brought up now by both of us for different stuff Oh yeah, it's, that's because he's that's because he's one of the best. That's that's a guy who, no matter who you're talking to, they're going to point out a couple because that guy has been everywhere for the past 25 years and is so so bloody talented. Absolutely, he's fantastic. Uh, and that was the you know I I liked him as Batman, and then I saw that I saw the Prestige, and I'm like, this guy's a fantastic actor. And yeah, I, just, I paid attention from there on out. Yeah. Oh yeah. No kidding. Yeah, and then and of course we're both fifteen when the fighter comes out, and he's just you, <laughs> you're just him and Melissa Leo are like, what is acting? You know, <laughs> it just changes it changes everything for you, and that's that's the stuff. That's that shit when you're younger and you you recognize this guy's an actor. <laughs> Holy shit, stuff's really powerful. I love it, man. Um, that's wraps up 2006. Let's move on to 2007. One of my favorite years of all time. A lot of, lot of movies that I just really, really adore came out this year. And 
uh, some, some, some wonderful performances along with it. For, for the women, uh, Marion Cotillard won for Lavian Rose. Uh, doesn't seem to be a performance that it's like aged too well because no one really talks about it. Uh, but I, I haven't seen it, so I, I would like to knock that one out. Uh, Kate Blanchett was up for Elizabeth, The Golden Age. Julie Christie nominated for Away From Her. Laura Lenny up for The Savages, which she acts alongside PSH. They're both awesome in it. And then Elliot Page for Juno. Interesting, interesting group. And uh, I went completely off the wall uh, again on this year. Uh, I, I went with a foreign film, foreign filmmaker and a foreign actress. Uh, one that kind of also shook me that I watched this past year. Uh, after I saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire, you know, I just got into this Celine Siama just fucking binge where I was like, I got to see it all. I got to see it over and over. Who is this? You know, who, who the fuck just made this movie that I saw? And I had to find out who Adele Hanel was. She's one of the lead performers in Portrait of Lady on Fire and at one point dated Celine Siama and just opened me up to this whole world of uh, water lilies, tomboy, girlhood, portrait. She, she's Celine Siama is one of my favorite directors in her prime right now. And Water Lilies from 2007 features a performance by Adele Hanel that is totally breathtaking and uh, her name's Florian in the movie. And it's, it's kind of like a, to me, a textbook, like award worthy performance, but maybe because it's French and this and that <laughs> it didn't get the right, it didn't get the right kind of momentum uh, during that year. And that's fine. But I really do think that this is kind of like a textbook, pay attention. Holy shit. Look at this girl acting kind of performance. Well, that's great. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. See, I, I post all these reviews. So I, I know when you get into these, you know, in, in, like obsessed with filmmakers and you just benders yeah and I, yeah and it's always awesome to see you know the passion there and that's great <laughs> yeah celine celine's celine's the man <laughs> she's awesome <laughs> i went with uh a performance i've always loved because of how duplicitous it is and that is helena bonham carter and sweeney todd the demon barber of fleet street beautiful pick uh, Mrs. Lovett, the ultimate Black Widow, and just a horrible human being who manipulates a serial killer <laughs> into fall, trying to fall in love with her. And just once you realize the full extent of how much she kept from him and how, like, it's so cold and so heartbroken. And, and God, when he just hurls her into that fucking oven, you just feel great. But, um, yeah, Helena Bonham Carter did such a fantastic job making you love and hate her at the same time. And yeah. I thought it was fantastic. This, her singing was great. Uh, love that movie. Yeah, and, and Helena is someone who has been involved in so many things that we adore. Yeah. You know, a, a, a woman who's a part of Fight Club to playing Bellatrix in Harry Potter, you know, to being in Sweeney Todd, these are things we're just obsessed with <laughs> by, 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 by kind of our nature. And I, I, I really like that. I had a feeling you were going to go there um, because on the other side, Johnny Depp was nominated. So I, I just had a feeling you were going to kind of shout out Bonham because she's just as good. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Burton fan. Uh, I want to like his, most of his work so bad, but he has done some of my favorite films. Sweeney Todd ranks right up there. Yeah. It's a, awesome awesome movie and i think uh 
prime pickings for Oscar Sunday. Yeah, and it could work just as well on Filmgasm. It's one of those films that walks in both worlds. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It really does. And I mean, even, you know, I'd, I'd be silly, we'd be silly to not bring up, you know, Alan Rickman, who just brings that movie to like another level, <laughs> which is what he does, right? That's what he did. That's what he did. Uh, Jesus Christ, that movie. Who, and Timothy Spall, too. Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, fuck. <laughs> it's just stacked. Yeah, I want to rewatch that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good stuff. Um, for the men, um, as I mentioned, this is one of my favorite years of all time, and there will be blood's a big part of that, right? You know, Daniel Day Lewis getting the win here, his second win of three in his career, and he just is maybe the best to ever do it. Uh, George Clooney was nominated for Michael Clayton, Johnny Depp for Sweeney Todd, Tommy Lee Jones for In the Valley of Elah. I have not seen that movie. Not it's, sure. It's great. Yeah, I, I've I've heard great things, and I'm not surprised that you. Yeah, you've seen Tommy Lee's awesome, and then Viggo Mortensen for Eastern Promises. Um, ooh, it's a cool group. Pretty 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 popular guys here as well. You know, some people that a lot of people know these guys' names. Um, and you're not really taking anything away from DDL. You know, there's not really a way to <laughs> steal steal this from Daniel Day Lewis. I mentioned earlier that uh, Denzel Washington probably has the strongest win of the decade this is the guy that that uh rivals that yeah and what's interesting about those two daniel day lewis three wins six nominations altogether denzel washington two wins eight nominations altogether what's more valuable to you nominations having more nominations yeah i think that you know that points out a more recognition by the academy more films for me to want to go find you know okay i yeah i think that matters but again a win also means a lot more because that means you know the academy picked that person but is daniel day lewis's performance in there will be blood better than his performance in gangs of new york and is that better than his performance in phantom thread like how do you judge worthiness like that yeah i think you have to just look at the context within the oscars so for daniel day it would be uh, My Left Foot, There Will Be Blood, Lincoln. Those are the three gold, you know, three golden statues that he has. And, and for Denzel, you look at Glory and you look at Training Day. Those are the two statues that he has. And the question would be, do you get, you know, extra, extra love because you've got more gold or because you have more nominations? And this, this, to me, this goes down to a lot of different things. Like a lot of people argue about Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, went to the final six times and won every single time. People think that that's more valuable than LeBron. Who's going to go. We don't know yet. You know, he's gone double digit amount of times. So he could go 12 times or 13. We don't know yet. Cause he's not done, but he might double the amount of times that Michael Jordan went to the finals, but he didn't win every time. So people look at that as like, well, what do you want the batting average where they just destroy every time that they go there? Or do you want to go there as many times as possible? The way I look at it with film personally is um, with a win, that's the Academy saying this person's performance was better than these other four. Yes. And I don't always agree with that. But For sure. With nominations, no. I, when, it's, when they say like this person was good enough to be nominated for an Academy Award, I oftentimes think, yeah, they were. They deserve the nomination at least. 
the wins aren't always the you know correct in my opinion, but the nominate nominations usually are. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You got you got less of a chance of it being wrong because it's a one of one win, whereas yeah, there's four nominated. I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean by that. And I I would much prefer uh, like like uh, Peter O'Toole. He's got a handful of nominations, never got a win. I would rather have that than just like one win on one nomination. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, ju- I think I think it gets interesting in particular with. Daniel Day-Lewis and Denzel Washington because of the numbers and how they match up. Yeah. And I, you know, you know me, I've, I've, I've broken this down into a point system where they both have equal amount of points. They both have 12 points based on if you got three points for a win. So Daniel Day-Lewis would have nine points for his wins and then a point for the nomination. So then you have three more points equaling 12. Denzel would have six points for the two wins and then six extra points for the other nominations. Also 12. In my eyes, it's kind of equal. It's kind of like those two guys are are on level playing ground. But Jack Nicholson has three wins on 12 nominations. And so he's in a to me in a different kind of category as far as the Oscars go. Yeah. It's there's different ways to look at it. It really just comes yeah. to personal preference and like what you exactly the Oscars kind of mean to you. And my thoughts on the Oscars are always changing. They're you know, it's gonna be different oh. tomorrow. It's just Exactly. Well, it, and it really is. There's no way to say it's well, it really is kind of silly. The whole thing. Right. We know that saying this is better than this. This is better than this. And kind of casting away things and not even watching some things, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's that's really not the right way to do it. But you and I love looking at context and seeing within these five. What would you swap out? What would you change? What would you take out? Who deserves it? That's fun. That's fun to just look at uh, for like history's sake and for context sake. Yes. So with that, with that being said, uh, I chose Jake Gyllenhaal as Robert Graysmith in Zodiac for 2007. Yeah. No surprise there. That's, uh, yeah, Zodiac's one of your favorite films. And that's, that's a great performance. He, he's only been nominated once for Brokeback Mountain supporting. The guy who didn't even get nominated for Nightcrawler. Like, come on. What does he have to do? Shit sucks. Jake Gyllenhaal is one of the best, man. He's, he's one of the best guys we got right now. I agree with that for sure. So you mentioned that no one's taken this award away from Daniel Day-Lewis. 2007, there will be blood. Well, the guy yeah. I picked could have done it. The guy I picked. Jo- Jonah Hill, super bad? <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Actually, Michael Sarah. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> God, can you imagine? I went with no. um, a performance that literally... I have not stopped thinking about since I saw it. A film that features an, an actor's finest hour, and that is Philip Seymour Hoffman before the devil knows you're dead. I love it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> only actor I picked twice. Oh and, yeah, rightly, rightly so. Yeah. And this this film, there is a there is a scene after he confronts his father, uh, Albert Finney, and has a meltdown in the car. Whew. And I, I felt it. I still feel it. That is the most real performance I've ever seen. That one just bit in the car where he just collapses into screams and tears and becomes a child again. And you believe it. Holy shit, do you believe it? And, you know, that film is very personal to him. He's playing a heroin addict. Yes, yes exactly. And oh, he brought man. a lot of him, himself into that role. And you feel it. I mean, you know, it's 
it's amazing he wasn't considered. And if he was, I think he could have he could have taken that from DDL. I really think he could have. Ah, man, it's hard. That's so difficult. Yeah, I love that shout. We've already mentioned it. It's one of his best moments uh, as an actor, and I, I definitely think he should be nominated. It's just so difficult to look at that DDL, that Daniel Plainview specifically. That that role is so daunting. What a cool matchup, though. That would be um, if we could put PSH in there with with DDL. Oh man, Clash <laughs> of the Titans. Yeah, I don't know how that would end up. Yeah, well, and it's also clash of, you know, like Paul Thomas Anderson's boy, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Paul Thomas Anderson's, you know, this this guy that kind of took over was like, okay, I, I'm going to work with this guy on There Will Be Blood and Phantom Thread. And those things matter. Again, context matters to me a lot. And I would have loved to see PSH and DDL go at one another. Um, another thing I wish would have happened was like, Adam Sandler being in that world, you know, he has a lot of respect from those guys. And, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis famously like called Adam Sandler and like, he was like, I, I hope you get nominated for what you did in Uncut Gems. And, you know, Christ. that's, that shit, that shit matters to me. All those little things, they just matter. Cause I just, I just care about the, the kind of point A to point B. I care about how we get there. Absolutely. Yeah. The context has greatly changed the way I've thought about a lot of films and this pot, you know, these podcasts have provided an avenue for that context. Yes. It's been great. Exactly. Oh, it's, it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Couldn't be, couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity to just fucking ooze about <laughs> these, these, these the individuals I love. Uh, 2008. Man, oh man. This is, uh, this is one I had a lot of fun with. These two people, I think, just are titans that I picked. And I, I'm really excited to hear yours. 2008, Kate Winslet won for The Reader. Uh, Anne Hathaway was nominated for Rachel Getting Married. Angelina Jolie for Changeling, Melissa Leo for Frozen River, and Meryl Streep for Doubt. Oh boy, Doubt. Fuck. <laughs> uh, talk about an acting clinic. Uh, really, all four of them um, PSH, Meryl Streep, Viola Davis, and Amy Adams are really all just kind of doing perfect work. Uh, that, that, movie's, that movie's money. And for me, I would love to have seen Meryl Streep get another win right there. I, I think she's so goddamn good in it. But Kate Winslet, I've seen the reader. It's not bad. But for me, totally uh, totally miss missing uh, Kelly Reichert's entire career as it, <laughs> as it happens before the, the Academy. They don't know what the fuck they're watching. Uh, Michelle Williams plays Wendy and Wendy and Lucy. Uh, just a stellar performance where uh, Wendy and Lucy, Lucy is a dog. Uh, and these two characters woman and dog just kind of roam and try to figure some stuff out uh, uh, through just a you know a few days. It is um, a breathtaking movie. Kelly Reichardt's totally on top of her game as she always is. But, but Michelle Williams, uh, you know, is one of our, I think, finer performers that's uh, uh, of a certain age, right? You know, like kind of under 40 working in her prime kind of thing. She's, you know, she's, she's familiar. She's been to the, you know, been to the, the Oscars before she knows what it's like to be here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I just think they missed one of her best roles of her career in Wendy and Lucy. But I think, again, I think that has more to do with, they, they just totally like ignore Kelly Reichardt and just, it just at this point is kind of fucking getting old. 
I don't know what she has to do. Uh, like first cow is like, <laughs> who else is making a movie that looks as good as this? You know, uh, she's, she's amazing. And Michelle's kind of her girl. And I think, yeah, I think Michelle has kind of deserved to be up multiple times. You know, she was up uh, in 2010 and 2011, but she, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff in her filmography that should be there. Yeah, I agree. Michelle Williams is lights out. Fantastic. And I trust your judgment on that film. I have not seen that one. I think Kelly Reichardt, I think First Cow is the only one I've watched. I think you'd really dig Winnie and Lucy. River Grass is, you know, her, her debut. And I just, I, I, for one, love seeing the growth of somebody. And she, like, if you watch River Grass and then First Cow, it is like transformation of the ages. I mean, she just becomes a, just, again, on top of her game the whole time director. And River Grass is this kind of verite style, just like, oh, whoa, wonky, just totally different, you know? And so you, you, you see how she's just grown into this totally controlled filmmaker that, that knows exactly what she's doing. So cool. That's great. Yeah, fantastic. I definitely would like to check out her work. Um, I went with two filmmakers we are very, very familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Joel and Ethan Cohen and Francis McDormand's work in Burn After Reading. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. An actress who is currently possibly up for a third Oscar. We will see next Sunday. And um, her work in Burn After Reading is so off the fucking wall. That is such a weird movie. And she's great as usual. She's a character you believe, you know, just a works in a gym, wants to wants plastic surgery, and is like just you know dating random guys. I believe it ends up you mm-hmm. know blackmailing a CIA dude. <laughs> it's, it's fucking crazy, but she keeps that film grounded and keeps it keeps me thinking like, yeah, this could happen. <laughs> Incredible. I, I, yeah, I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling you're going to go there. Some of these I was kind of trying to guess throughout the day. I was like, there's just something in me that told me that's that's where Connor's going. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. But you could probably predict me uh, going with Kelly Reichardt at some point. Yeah. <laughs> there's a few of these. I've, I didn't, I didn't guess them, but I should have. Like, I, I recognize the names. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. They're, they're definitely in like the subconscious, you know, just like, oh, yeah. I remember talking about that, you know. <laughs> They just talk about so many goddamn movies. That's just that's just how it's going to go. Um, the Men Here, 2008. This is uh, really the 81st Academy Awards are fascinating altogether. Uh, this this particular group, I want to see these five guys in like a heist movie or some bullshit. It'd be really funny. Uh, you got Sean, Sean Penn, one for Milk. Uh, Richard Jenkins for The Visitor. Uh, you got Franklin Gella for Frost Nixon, Brad Pitt for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and Mickey Rourke for The Wrestler. Jesus, <laughs> what a crazy group. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I've got, uh, I've only seen Milk and Frost Nixon. Uh, I thought, I, I haven't seen The Visitor, but I, I really thought we talked about The Wrestler at some point. I, I don't know. I don't know when, who that was with, but curious case of Benjamin Button. I know, you know, you'll eventually knock out all the Fincher stuff and that'll just happen one day. Yeah, it will. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, it's 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 good stuff. Now I I uh, Michael Fassbender is one of the one of the titans to me, and he's a, you know he's playing he plays Bobby Sands in Hunger in two thousand eight. Uh, Steve McQueen's debut, feature length de- debut film, uh, in a performance that really is the film. You know it's. Got some awesome stuff coming from Steve McQueen, but if it weren't for Michael Fassbender, his 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 dedication to playing Bobby Sands, who who, who you know is on hunger strike, so this you know you can imagine what Fassbender is going through to kind of get his body to look a certain way, and it, it is disgusting. You know, it's disgusting what he went through, what he did, uh, this and that to just look how he was supposed to look for Bobby Sands, hmm. and then the movie is just awesome. <laughs> it's just it's just fantastic you know and to me steve mcqueen's masterpiece uh i don't, i think there's no doubt about it in my mind uh a movie that that needs to be just totally reevaluated and totally needs to be people need to act like it just came out like it, it just deserves to be talked about the same way anything steve mcqueen's done anything michael fassbender's done to me his best performance of his whole career uh in hunger bobby sands Great stuff. I can't believe he's not here. That says a lot. I've, you know, I've ever since X-Men first class, I've been obsessed with Fassbender and uh, he's, yeah, he's remarkable. I'm surprised he hasn't been up for more Oscars and hunger is definitely one that's piqued my interest. And I want to, I want to see that. Oh yeah. It is so far up Connor Avenue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're dealing with some, some Irish history at a very specific time and place. And you you and you got a guy Steve McQueen who just fucking gives a shit about what he's talking about. He really gives a shit. Everything he does, he really cares about how he's telling the story, and that 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 matters. That matters a lot. Absolutely. I also went with a biopic. Uh, nice. A very bizarre story of a man who spent decades in solitary confinement, and that is Tom mm. Hardy in Bronson. Great pick. Oh man. See, this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. It's Tom Hardy. We're going to look back and be like, what were we doing? <laughs> yeah. Bronson is a weirdo movie, and Tom Hardy is fascinating in that. He plays so many different parts of this guy's personality. There's a moment where he's dressed as a fucking cl- clown doing like a theatrical thing, and I thought, like, he would have made a great Joker. And it's, yeah. <laughs> it really shows his range and the story of this dude who created an alias named Charles Bronson. Because he yeah. spent so much time alone under a prison is fucking crazy. <laughs> and leave it to Tom Hardy to bulk up, shave his head, grow a handlebar mustache, and just chew the scenery to hell in that performance. It's, yeah. Hmm, lights out. Maybe his best stuff. Maybe, maybe Tom Hardy's finest hour. Uh, yeah, great. Great shout out. I, I didn't really even think about that. That one that that's that's one I feel kind of silly that I didn't even think about that one. It is such a good movie. Uh that would be what do you think? A cool film guy's a movie, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. We could go Bronson. That's that's a weird enough movie that it counts. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I would I would love to be on that. That'd be fun as shit. Uh shall we do the last year here? Let's do this. I'm very excited about my picks for the for this year. These were my favorite ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the 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 male here. Uh, yeah, I I feel very strongly about the female one is one that I've I'm not um 
I've only seen the movie once. Uh, that's there's been the case for some of these that I've watched like in the past year and just have kind of rocked me. Uh, but let's get down to it. 2009 for the women. Sandra Bullock won just a total bullshit Oscar win for the blind side. She is just, I mean, at times not even trying. Might as well have given her the fucking award for Crash, too, while you're at it. Fucking lazy bastards. <laughs> Helen, Helen Mirren was nominated for Last Station. Pretty good movie. <laughs> Carrie Mulligan for An Education. Awesome movie. Uh, Gabori Sidibe for Precious and Meryl Streep for Julie and Julia. Meryl Streep, uh, 21 total nominations. So she's just going to come up all the time. Yeah. See, the, the more I've seen, the more I think, like, I don't think all those nominations are, <laughs> should be. No. God damn no. Fuck no. I mean, there's, there's no way. I mean, you, if you really looked at every year, a lot of these just would look totally different. I mean, if you really watched every movie, there's just no way that that 21 for one person there's just no way not no not at all just not paying attention you just chose like eight movies and you're like ah, i'm gonna pick five out of these eight for <laughs> the nominations <laughs> well who'd you pick ah the, the woman i chose for the last year here of this project is isabel hopart for uh her role as maria vl in white material it's a claire denis movie 2009 she apparently is like a French goddess, you know, is someone who just dominates the scene over there. And I've heard of her, you know, I've seen, I've seen her and stuff, but I never quite paid attention until I watched white material. And it, this movie totally threw me for a loop. You know, I was <laughs> kind of blown away by it. It, it was uh, the reason I watched it was um, on the criterion channel. There's uh, a section called adventures in movie going, and they always got, these individuals, filmmakers and writers and whatnot, actors that suggest movies and then talk about them. And Barry Jenkins, my guy, uh, Moonlight and Beale Street. We've done an episode on both of those over on Oscar Sunday. He's the man. I'm obsessed with his eye. <clears throat> he suggested uh, Itumama Tembien, uh, Three Colors out of France, and he also suggested White Material. And of course, I watched a couple of those and White Material just, yeah, just kind of floored me. And I totally saw the way the way Claire Denis approaches nature. I see, I see in Barry Jenkins, and for that for that reason, you're like really grateful for those things. But the best part of the movie is Isabel Huppert is this performance as Maria, who's just carrying this movie and is fending off people who are trying to kill her and take stuff from her fucking farm. She's trying to take care of her son who's got mental problems, and all this shit happens, and she's just like what the fuck, you know, like what, what, where do I have to turn? And it's a classic to me, a classic, again, textbook style, like award worthy performance. And I, so I just don't understand when those aren't there. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, it is odd. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm familiar with her work as well. And I've heard she's remarkable. I also went with a French woman. Oh, nice. Uh, Melanie Laurent. Inglorious Bastards. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. So yeah. Shanna Dreyfus, the real hero of this film. <laughs> Au revoir, Shoshana. Just from the beginning, just, you know, running through a field covered in her family's blood to just everything she goes through in this film. Like, the story that the Bastards don't even know about. It's, 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 it's an amazing performance. The scene where she's... For, for me, the scene that 
that she deserved a nomination for is when she's at the cafe and Landa shows up and she has to hold the fear and the rage and the anger and just sadness and hold that inside of her so that she doesn't reveal who she really is. And as soon as he walks away, she just lets it fall apart. And the strength of that performance is underrated as hell. And yeah, I, I think she's amazing in that. Yeah. I think there's the most underrated part of the movie as it has like lived on and become a lot of people see it as Tarantino's masterpiece, right? They see it as like his most, most quality, solid, strong film. And I totally understand that. I think she's one of the things you should talk about though, when that comes up yes. and she's not, she's not Christoph Waltz, Brad Pitt. And, you know, you just want to fucking stroke those guys. They're great. They're great. But there's other things happening in the movie. You know what I mean? Uh, Michael Fassbender, Jesus, <laughs> you know, I, the list goes on and on. That movie's got a, like handfuls of really cool performances. And yeah, I, I, I like that shout out. I, I kind of felt like that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched it last night. Just, I was like, this is, you get drawn in. It's, it's, it's an incredible watch. It's a fun watch. It's a satisfying watch. And I got nothing but great things to say. <laughs> oh yeah, same, same. There, there is nothing bad to say for me about <laughs> about that shit. Maybe the best movie from that whole year. Um, but my favorite movie of the whole year is what we'll be talking about here in a second. Um, Jeff Bridges won for the men. The Crazy Heart. He beat George Clooney up in the air. Colin Firth, a single man. Morgan Freeman, Invictus, and Jeremy Renner in the Hurt Locker. I've seen all of these. Um, Jeff Bridges is great. Clooney is great. Renner's pretty good. I think I think Invictus is just not a good movie, like, at all. And so I hate to see that one kind of get represented here because I just don't think Morgan Freeman has a whole lot to work with, and it's just not the strongest performance. Uh, for, for me, where's Michael Stuhlbarg? Larry Gopnik, a serious man. Yeah. Uh, Another, you know, I was trying to find stuff that like, to me, another textbook, like, why is that not nominated? That's like the shit they fucking go for every year. Why is it not? Why is he not? <laughs> why is he not there? And that, I was trying to find some of those. And to me, Michael Stuberg is, is, is in that category from 2009. I think a serious man is, you know, one of my favorite Cohen movies, right. And just one of my favorite movies of the decade and probably my favorite movie of 2009. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not surprised in the slightest that, yeah, you've sung that film's praises many times. Yeah, I love it. So honestly, at this point, I should probably just, you know, shut up because I've said it over and over. <laughs> Larry Gopnik. Yes, yes, a serious man. <laughs> I went far outside the box on this one to a performance. No, I have. Hmm? no Brad Pitt. It's not Brad Pitt. I am shocked. I know. I'm shocked you don't have Brad Pitt for Bastards. As <laughs> it, it was Brad Pitt. And then I looked into my letterbox and I was like, no. Yeah. And I looked and I'm like, that film has resonated with me particularly. Not with a lot of people. But it's a performance I adore because it wasn't supposed to be this guy. Nobody wanted him. But he did it and he pulled it off and it is Jackie Earl Haley in Watchmen. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Damn! Yeah, that Other is that fucking Rorschach. Yes, that guy makes that film so much more watchable than it has any business being. I I love that film because of him. 
His performance Man. at Warshak is lights out from beginning to end. And I, I wish he was recognized. He's an amazing actor and he mm-hmm. sells that performance so good. God, man, what a shout out. Yeah, I was not ready for that. I was not expecting that. I didn't think we'd t- bring up Watchmen like ever on this uh, uh, on, on this or Oscar Sunday or, you know. <laughs> I thought I would just stay with that film, you guys. That, that's awesome. I, we talked about him a ton when we did talk about Watchmen and it felt like we were just on the same page that he's 100% the MVP of the movie. Just kind of unscathed, unmoved throughout throughout the film, and you're just you, you you're kind of waiting for him even when he's not there. Yeah, and you know the scenes where he does get his you know his mask removed and he's just kind of a broken man. You you love that climb back more than anything else. Like, and then at the end, you know, willing to give his own life in you know in service of what he believes is the right thing to do. He's he's a badass with a with a code that you can believe in, and. Jack Earl Haley just sells it. So I fucking love that guy. He's such a great actor, regardless of like what he, you know, what film he's in, he delivers. Yes. Yeah. We talked a lot uh, about a lot of people like that who just bring their juice. They'll just, they'll try their best. Also one time he was, I'm pretty sure he was sitting behind me at a Bill Burr concert. That is awesome. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I went with my uncle and he looks behind him and he tapped my shoulder and he's like, Dude, it's Rorschach. And I'm like, what? I look behind me and Jack or Haley's sitting behind me. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> we were both too nervous to say anything. But yeah. holy shit. <laughs> yeah, he's the man. Just the voice alone would kind of freak me out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. good. Oh, man, I love that it. Was yeah, I, I, was, I was definitely shocked about, about Brad Pitt not being there at the end for, for Bastards. Uh, Aldo Rain, I know, is one of your guys. Yeah, I figured, you know, I showed Bastards some love. Didn't want to double yeah. up. Wanted to kind of spread the love a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I think I, I'm comfortable with all of my, all my selections here. Me too, yeah. I, I'm, I'll go through mine real quick, and you can go through yours just to give a little refresher. Uh, just go back from 2000 to 2009. Got Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, Michelle Yeoh as Yu Shu Lian and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Gene Hackman as Royal Tenenbaum in The Royal Tenenbaums, Naomi Watts as Betty Elms slash Diane Selwyn in Mulholland Drive, Adam Sandler as Barry Egan in Punch Drunk Love, Naomi Harris as Selena in Twenty Eight Days Later, Viggo Mortensen as Erdogan and Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, Uma Thurman as Beatrix, the fucking bride kiddo in Kill Bill Volume 1. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Neil in Mysterious Skin. Julie Delpy as Celine in Before Sunset. John Hawks as Richard Swerzy in Me and You and Everyone We Know. Uh, Kiorianka Kilcher as Pocahontas in The New World. Kang Ho Song as Gang Du Park in The Host. Tony Collette as Cheryl in Little Miss Sunshine. Jake Gyllenhaal as Robert Graysmith in Zodiac. Adele Hanel as Florian in Water Lilies. Michael Fassbender as Bobby Sands in Hunger. Michelle Williams as Wendy in Wendy and Lucy. Michael Stuhlbarg as Larry Gopnik in A Serious Man. And Isabel Hopart as Maria Vial in White Material. Epic. That reflects you to a T. Yes. <laughs> Truly. Uh, I've got... For 2000, Guy Pierce in Memento, 
and Jennifer Connelly in Requiem for a Dream, 2001, Haley Joel Osment in AI, Artificial Intelligence, and Naomi Watts in Mulholland Drive, 2002, Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love, and Naomi Harris in 28 Days Later, 2003, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Owning Mahoney, and Uma Thurman in Kill Bill, Volume 1, 2004, Tom Hanks in The Terminal, and Bryce Dallas Howard in The Village, 2005, Patrick Wilson in Hard Candy, and Natalie Portman in V for Vendetta, 2006, Christian Bale in The Prestige, and Tony Collette in Little Miss Sunshine, 2007, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, and Helena Bonham Carter in Sweeney Todd, 2008, Tom Hardy in Bronson, and Francis McDormand in Burn After Reading, and 2009, Jackie Earl Haley in Watchmen, and Melanie Laurent in Inglorious Bastards. Beautiful, beautiful. We had five overlaps, Naomi Watts, Adam Sandler, Naomi Harris, Uma Thurman, and Tony Collette. So all women except for Adam Sandler. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that we yeah. had any overlap. That's fucking fantastic. Yeah, great stuff. Both got to pick 20 people to kind of shout out here. We got, we got five overlaps. So yeah, good stuff, man. I had a lot of fun. This is the kind of shit I have the most fun doing because it takes you to just a thousand different places. This was so much fun and we are for sure going to do this again. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to do this with with a bunch of different decades, you know. Uh, and again, on Oscar Sunday, we're going to be doing stuff like this the whole episode on Sunday for Oscar Sunday on the Oscars. Going to have going to have a lot of fun uh, for, for for that whole day. And then this sneak preview next week will be a recap of the show. So we're kind of living we're kind of living in the Oscars right now. Yeah, I hope you guys had fun with this one. Uh, we know we did. Uh, next Monday is going to be our full blown 2021 Oscars recap show. Where Beautiful. We will discuss the winners and losers as well as the show itself. And I know that Mortal Kombat comes out next week. And we wanted to give both Mortal Kombat and our post Oscar show their own time to shine. So we're pushing Mortal Kombat to the following week. So Mortal Kombat will get a full, uninterrupted episode. And so will the Oscars. Uh, yeah. <laughs> next week, we're covering the Oscars, which will be happening Sunday, April 25th. And we may also touch on Stowaway, which comes out Friday on Netflix. So don't miss next week or Slither on Wednesday's Filmgasm, our 2010's Best Picture swap out on Oscar Sunday, and whatever the Giggle guys are cooking up for Friday. Have an awesome week and keep watching movies. <laughs>